January 18th, 1998. Titanic sank the rest of the competition for the fifth week at number one, proving that there's nothing teenage girls are hornier for than a three-hour nautical period piece. America laughed along to the Friends episode where the boys and girls bet their apartments during a trivia game, also known as the one with unrealistic expectations about New York real estate. The Clinton-Lewinsky scandal was broken on the Drudge Report website, causing early internet adopters to say, huh, you can do more than porn on this thing? Meanwhile, in San Jose, California, Stone Cold Steve Austin took on all comers at the Royal Rumble. Cold Stone is my man. This is Hell in a Cell Phone. Welcome to another episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the Attitude Era of WWE 20 years later. And we are going back to January 18th, 1998, two days before my 16th birthday. Aww. That awe and wow comes from Bobby Hankinson and Eric Silver. Respectively. Yes, I am the awe. Thank you. (laughs) I'm the wow. I'm the shock. The system. Sure. Okay. (laughs) Anyone have anything they want to talk about from January 1998, or are we just going? No, I don't have anything, but I did want to talk about something from the September 11th week that we just had. <laughs> wow, okay, let's definitely get the party started on a, on a high note. Well, okay, so here here's something that I feel like I don't have a lot of avenues to express myself these days, and uh, this is it for me at this point. Um, last week was, for us, uh, record, in recording life, Last week was 9-11 week. Uh, it happened to come out around the same time as our... Our one-night-only episode. One night, oh, yeah, our one-night-only episode. So uh, this is just something I wanted to get off my chest. It has nothing to do with 9-11, really. But there was a video of... I, I love how you have to preamble your thing that has nothing to do with 9-11 by bringing up 9-11. This topsy-turvy post-9-11 world, though, who's to say what's right? Right. You know, like, listen, we all take our shoes off before we talk to each other now. Um, but so there was a, um, a video that got that was like getting shared around a little bit. And it was um, it was like somebody like I think an ambassador in New Zealand got some I think some firefighters in New Zealand to do a haka in in memory of the people that were lost in 9-11. Like the, I think the first responders mostly. You, you guys know what a haka is? I do not. The haka is a. Think the um the introduction to the Usos before they oh. were down for day one ish. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. So it's a, a traditional uh, Samoan. Um, I want to say war dance. I might be wrong about that. Sure. I, I really should have looked that up. Okay. I, okay. Okay. Serious. Okay. Um, and it's to be to be you know to put this in context. I love seeing hakas. They're really, really cool. They have a lot of like, there's a lot of emotion to them. I remember the first time I saw them, I think, or the first time I saw one on a video, there was one where like a guy was uh, getting married and all of his friends like did a haka and he joined in and I think she started joining in and it was just like, you could just see everybody was like so emotional and like I almost was crying from that haka. Since wow. then, I've seen a lot of hakas. Like they, they do them in the, I believe they do them in like um, maybe the World Cup, probably also in the rugby sure. stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it's like 
it's a very cool thing. I think for whatever reason, around the time of last week, and it could be because 9-11 is a time for everybody to come out and talk about, you know, and, and contribute to their 9-11 thing. There was a point, I think, where I was just like, you know what, you got to like, like rest on the on the haka a little bit. You can't just like uh, overexpose it where it's just like, well, what what can New Zealand offer? Like, why? Why are you, you know, can't you just say like, we're sorry, you know, we're remembering you guys. Like, why does everything have to be like, oh, we're going to do this thing and everyone's going to videotape it and we're, it's going to be this big presentation. And, and like somebody, the person who shared it was like, oh, I'm tearing up. And I'm like, no, I'm not tearing up. Also, not that great of a haka. <laughs> I've seen better. <laughs> wow. This was a journey. There is a lot to unpack. Wow. Here. This Sorry. was a journey. I mean, I, I think back to um, when we talked about whether or not people here could do a flip and how <laughs> if we could, we'd be doing them all the time. If it was part of my rich cultural tapestry to do a haka, I would be doing a haka for... Oh, yeah. Everything I would do, I do Literally a haka as a, as a thank you for my barista at Starbucks. Like I would be doing it. It would be my if someone holds a door for me, haka. But you know what? Like, like as for right now, my only cultural heritage is mayonnaise and the chicken dance. So yeah, I might give a friendly nod to someone across a room. <laughs> but here's the thing: I think if you were in, if you were like in that position, um, everybody around you that was like that grew up in the same background as you would kind of get fucking annoyed at you because they'd be like, "Yo, man, like." Stop using the haka for everything. Like, it's you know, like, it's like saying you know, I love you to everybody. Like, it 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 removes the capital behind the thing. You know, Our the, the symbolism. The original flash mob. Oh, I am not gonna. I feel like that's trespassing. <laughs> no, because it reminds me though of what you're saying though. Is you're like it's overexposed and it's supposed to like be this big moment, but by doing it so much, it cheapens the. So they, it feels less, so but it's overexposed. So a flash mob used to mean something. And yeah, they were clever. And now you just do what you're doing it for the gram. I will say when, when, uh, when that office episode, when Jim and Pam get married and they did that flash mob thing, I was like, I fucking hate this. That was when that jumped the But shark. I think you hated The Office well before then. I'm no, sure. actually, I didn't. That was the moment that you started hating that The was Office. One of the, that was one of the moments that made me really turn on The Office because it was just like everything up till then had been sort of like in the reality of it. And then all of a sudden, everybody is, is like joyfully joining in this flash mob at, the, at their wedding. Uh, I mean, probably there were a few times before it that it, it dipped. But like that was the point where I was like, oh, man, this is... This is going to go poorly in later seasons. Well, to bring it back to wrestling, um, sorry, spoiler of this, but in Hobbs and Shaw, The Rock, Roman Reigns, and a whole bunch of other Samoans do an amazing haka that, um, so yeah, so that, I, I, I'm never going to say no. See, that almost proves my point. <laughs> wow. 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 I feel like a movie haka, it's like, oh God, come on, guys. <laughs> I'm just, look. You know what? Back to the backflip thing or the front flip or any flip. Sure. We said that, you know, if we could do a flip, we'd be doing it all the time. But then, like, all the people around us would just be like, oh, my God, they're so fucking annoying. All they do is flip. It's like in The Bachelor in Paradise when um, I've, I've got – I know exactly where I'm going with this. This goes all the way to the top. Yeah. <laughs> in Bachelor in Paradise, there was the – I forget the name of the guy, but it was this one guy who, like, fucked over everybody – 
and like he was just kind of like a player off season and then he got called out in in paradise but like his big move when he was like when he was courting a girl was to like teach them how to swing dance and every like every time he started flirting with a girl he'd start swing dancing with them on the beach Again, something that could have been kind of cool on its own no, in 1998. No, no, it could not. <laughs> when Swingers was out, he was a cherry popping dad. Yeah, this he was, was a zoot suit riot. riot. Yeah. Uh, my point, my point is, yeah, you know, if we could do it, you know, we would be doing it all the time, but nobody would be impressed anymore because they'd think, like, man, like all they do is just flips. That's my that's my take. This is Eric's hot take corner. Wow. I'm shook. Well, in January of 1998, for my 16th birthday, I went to the Outback Steakhouse again. Ooh. Oh, wow. oh right. With Wait. family or friends? Yeah. With family. Okay. Yeah. It was a family affair. I forgot that this a was friend. a second birthday. I get to take off. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, how many people get to jump on the steak <laughs> Wait, was wagon? The friend, was the friend the guy who, who takes care of the Clydesdales? <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah, my dad's, like, my dad's co-worker is, like... I'm pitching our first live episode, the three of us and your mother at Outback in New York. <laughs> love it. Love it. Yes, it was my friend Lenny. He loves the pet bonnies. <laughs> Wait, your your first live episode is going to be... Us. Our. Yeah. Our first live... Your, your pitch for our first uh-huh. episode is us at, a, at an Outback uh-huh. and the audience is just nowhere. Yeah, there's or no audience. Well, no, it's just my mom nodding politely as we go along and, Look, and probably paying the bill at the end. Yeah, we all know that audiences are the worst part of live episodes of podcasts. Yeah, actually, so I say right. we skip them. I say instead we have the ambient sizzle of our plates at an Outback <laughs> Steakhouse. Every now and then I pause to go, hmm, from a kookaburra wing. Yeah. I think actually the audience is the audience makes the hosts become the worst part of the live. No, I think well, at least the ones I listen to, it's always the audience where I'm like, no one's here to see you. No one bought a ticket to see you. Um, I don't know. I, there's, I feel like there are times where the, the, the hosts get a little bit like, especially if they're not like seasoned performers, they get a little bit Oh, like, there's some of those that I've seen. That, well, I just love I, when a podcast Hey, guys, remember big. when our last Royal Rumble episode went like two hours and we had to cut it into two episodes? We're not doing it with this one. I make you a promise here and now. Wow. This is, this is going to be an episode. No, not here and now. Truly, Madly, Deeply was number one that week. <laughs> All right. And now we begin. In good fashion. Great intro for this one here. Yeah. really sold the fact that anyone could win this. So they can't, but anyone could, according to that. I call these even before we even get to the intro. Uh, this is a really ex- we're about to enter like a really fucking exciting time in wrestling. Like things are cooking now. After lots of like preamble, after lots of stuff like ratings are going up for WWF at the time. They're not surpassing Nitro yet regularly in any kind of way, but they're getting narrower and narrower and the audiences on both brands are getting bigger and bigger. Wrestling is like having its fucking moment it's like so intense and people are so passionate they had a house show in december uh the same night that one of these raws aired but the raw was preempted and the people thought they were going to a live raw and instead of they're going to essentially a house show on a monday and rioted what like like police with tear gas rioted uh they canceled the main event like a actual straight up riot uh, and so not a zoot suit riot. Not a zoot suit riot. An actual riot. So people are fucking crazy about wrestling right now. Like it is ascending to that level, uh, and I think it's really. You, I think it's it's making the product more exciting too. So what brought it there was everything we've seen to date. Like yep. just the fact that they were just kind of like, I guess, stone cold. 
Yeah. Stone Cold's a Stone huge Cold part of it. The screw job, because the screw job also brought a bunch of national attention. Yeah. Um, ratings are going up for WCW as well, still at this time. Uh, like they were just having Starcade in December, and that had like big ratings before and after. Uh, now, as we see starting tonight, Mike Tyson coming in is huge, 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 huge. Just a, a quick Starcade's their number one, like their WrestleMania, right? Yes. That's WCW? Yes. Yeah, yeah, got it. Um, but it is a big time for wrestling and this pay-per-view, some of the things happen that are like monumentally historically important, um, that we will get to as we, we kind of go through, but, uh, it's a good, it's a good time for wrestling. Like this is, it's, we're really hitting the stride of the Adish era and we're really like hitting the good stuff. So before we get, before we start with this, um, this pay-per-view, I think just on a programming note, we should make the point that uh, we made a creative decision last episode, after last episode, that uh, we're going to try out uh, me not watching Raws. So obviously, you know, if you're listening along, you know that we are trying a lot of things. We're, 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 we're working all this stuff out. We're trying to see and, what works. And all of them have been successful so far. I mean, we've been yeah, like, like literally yeah. everything we've done has been amazing. Not killing it flawless. Yeah. Killing it mm-hmm. But I what... think they're going to say the Haka rant was our office flash mob. <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> uh, as they say, if it's not broken, fix it yeah. over and over. So uh, we decided that, you know, it might be more, it might be interesting to have me, you know, not know what happened in the Raws in the meantime. And I, you can get my real-time reaction to it's all virginized. the news. And holy shit, there was a lot for me to uh, feast on in this. There was a lot. I was like, what? what? What's happening? It's, it's very disorienting to go from uh, watching every episode and knowing where things are at to, to going back to the Dark Ages where now it's just like, okay, I don't know what's happening. Uh, there's a lot of... First of all, every, I mean, anytime Goldust is involved, we'll get to it. But obviously, that's it's a change from like day to day, hour to hour. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a lot lot going on for me here. But uh, we'll see how this goes. So all of these people are vying for the once in a lifetime chance to win the Royal Rumble. Although Shawn Michaels has just won twice, and we all know what happens with Stone Cold Steve Austin tonight. Do you think it's weird that there's like the same kind of people winning the Royal Rumble over and over? Like, are... so Austin is the last uh, back-to-back winner. We have we to this day we haven't had another back-to-back winner. Why We've had multiple time winners. For me? Oh, <laughs> well, statistically speaking, but because you're to your point that like we don't see more of them, or we really don't see them like winning back-to-back. It's really supposed to be a chance to give like a new rub to a new superstar and set the the pace in order for the next few months or whatever programming into WrestleMania. So I think we don't really see that much anymore. But Austin was just undeniably so hot at this point. They, like, could, they, they could they not get could have put anybody else. But I did love this opening package. I actually think the writing of it was really beautifully written. Like the language, like the word choice and word use was really nice. And it made me think like back to watching wrestling, stuff like this made it seem very literary. And I think it did like increase my little child vocabulary. And when you watch it today, like it's just like it opens with like a terrible puddle of mud song and then like a video recap of what you've already watched. Uh, and there's none of this sort of like finesse and, and distillation. That would, I think well, it goes nice. back to our running, uh, what is it? Our running suggestion 
yeah. that go back to thematic monologues, go yeah. back to, you know, framing everything. Todd Pettengill is sitting in his apartment somewhere and the phone rings. Oh, Todd, we need you back. He's got a snifter of brandy. I told him I was out. <laughs> uh, by the way, 1-800-COLLECT. 1-800-COLLECT. Oh I my God, it. I had such a sense memory when that commercial came on. I did, but here's the thing. So I remember calling collect. I don't remember using 1-800-COLLECT. 10-10-3-2-1 was the other big one. Maybe. I think I just used the operator and just said, I'd like to make a collect call. What was the point of call? Of collect call would be you would call from a pay phone or if you didn't have long distance and the other person picks up the bill. Yeah. I actually, what is 1-800-COLLECT? I actually did a little research Thank into you. this. Um, so what was happening was people were just calling the operator. And so AT&T was getting all the money from collect calls. And so I believe MCI was the one were the ones who came up with one eight hundred collect in order to get a get a piece of that sweet collect call money back when people actually used payphones. Wait, could we start our own collect call like number and get in? Well, on did that? you guys used to do what I used to do as a kid? Call people oh. on collect call to say like a funny name and then basically, no. or I would just use it to call my I would I, that my mom would be like call me ready to get picked up from the school dance or whatever, oh, and I would call and they'd be like state your name under the beep, I'd be like mom already called come pick me up, and then she was willing to accept the charges. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It was basically like a, I was basically a text message pirate. No, that's what we did. Yeah, that, I remember that's what we used to do. We'd just be like we'd be like come get me, or you know. Well, do you guys- I have friends who would call me and then make fun of other friends. Like, Will you accept a collect call from Roy's a big piece of shit? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I did a stand-up bit at Stone Cold once, and I need to bring this joke back because they said something like, "Oh, a simpler time," and our biggest concern, biggest political worry, was like, "Which way, which collect call company has the better Super Bowl commercial?" Because <laughs> ah. they were like really big in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and one eight hundred collect was like the Janet, like really targeted, like "fuck you, make a collect call with us." <laughs> I don't have fucking quarters, man. <laughs> oh wait, did they have strippers and like <laughs> and, and OJ running from the law? You think you call me? You think you could tell us who we're going? a call you think you can tell us if we got a quarter we got three words for you except the charges <laughs> accepted man i hope we have most much fun when we're talking about the actual event oh all right well we'll see well, well. so eric i don't i wasn't really following boxing at this point who where was mike tyson as far as his career at this point um i don't know i i'm not okay i'm not fully sure at this point because it was 98 i remember when tyson became the world champion mm-hmm. uh world heavyweight champion he beat uh, uh joe spinks i think and he did it in like literally like 40 seconds something stupid where because i remember um my family we bought the pay-per-view for the boxing match and like people came over oh, and it was over in, it was over in five minutes and we we're like what the fuck is this this was fifty dollars yeah like it was like it was like you know 10 year old eric just looking at going what the fuck <laughs> like i stayed awake for what is, um is this post evander holyfield biting his ear it is okay. it is and you know why i know the only reason i know that is because i looked it up from the the fake ear biting uh from a few episodes ago so in a previous episode uh we talked about how i believe it was lawler pretended to bite i think maybe mankind's ear and i talked about how in that same month uh tyson bit holyfield's ear so um i think where we are now is 
Tyson is probably a disgraced boxer. I don't know. He, I don't even know if he's allowed to box. He's not. Uh, and he's no longer the champion. So this is... It's kind of like, I would say, for like famous, famous athletes in, in like... Um, what do you call them? Not martial sports. Combat sports. Com- yeah, for famous athletes in combat sports, sometimes I, or it seems like WWE is to them what like porn is to <laughs> people Tom who Sizemore. used to be in WWE. <laughs> so, you know, I think I think yeah, this was his next his his next pivot. So this is also like a perfect storm because the Holyfield thing is happening. He's not allowed to box. And they had to get permission from like the boxing authorities because some states the authority oversees both wrestling and boxing. Oh. So would he be allowed to even participate in all this stuff? And basically, like the overwhelming consensus was appearing on WWE, especially if he wasn't competing, uh, was seen as like entertainment and appearing on like Saturday Night Live or a talk show. Basically, is how they treated it. Now a lot of this is in reaction to. Dennis Rodman, who's doing stuff with WCW at this time. Oh. And he's sort of like this big bad boy pop culture lightning rod. And I think Vince is trying to, this all a perfect opportunity to cop to the same. And so I believe the true Tyson's full journey of the WWE has yet to be crafted while this is happening. They won't craft it, I believe, until after the next night is when it becomes clear what his role, after how the they want to use night? it after Royal Rumble. So okay, right now he's there for this, and they know they want to do something with him, but even as what we're watching, they don't know what they're doing with him as of what we watched at Royal Rumble. And I, I could see people being excited about this because he, you know, he was uh, an, he, he had a mythos around him as being extremely, extremely dangerous. And then at this point, he's now like bit Holyfield's ear. I forget if he... I forget if Holyfield had beat him the first time. And... Because Tyson had lost. I think Tyson didn't have the the belt. And I believe uh, Tyson worked maybe worked his way up because I think Holyfield beat the guy who beat Tyson. And then... Well, I think it was a, just a money fight. Like, you put these two guys together. Like, um... What's the... Fucking uh, Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao, like something like that. Yeah, it might have been. I, I thought maybe it was for the title, but maybe not. It may have just been an exhibition, but or not an exhibition, but you know what I mean—a non-title fight. Um, but yeah, but like, I think you know Tyson was, and probably for many many years, continued to be this like over-the-top person. Well, I mean, he transcended boxing. I mean, like I was nineteen ninety-eight, then I was. 12 going on 13 um obviously knew nothing about sports but knew perfectly well who mike tyson was because he well, was I mean, like a pop culture well yeah from punch up but also he was a pop culture fixture mad tv snl like everybody was like or maybe not mad TV, but in living color but still at this yeah, point but color, yeah. um but he was all low he was a fixture like i knew who he was i knew he bit vander holyfield's ear like i knew all that stuff with with my um absolute like no zero tolerance for all things sport related right um, so he's huge. And I remember as I watched wrestling being like, holy shit, it's Mike Tyson. Like even like understanding the gravity of it. Um, yeah. So for, for them, it's like, this is going to be, I mean, if he, I, he, do you think people saw him and were like, oh, he's going to join or were they just like, oh, he's hanging out. Do people, I mean, people were probably smart. Enough. I don't think, I don't, no one thought that he was going to become a full-time wrestler. I don't think, but his involvement peaked it. People were tuning in to see what the fuck Mike Tyson was doing a hundred percent. So I'd love to talk about 
the Mike Mike Tyson setup at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he shows up at the Royal Rumble, you know, to I'm using quotes to watch, and he's sitting with uh, Vince McMahon. He's sitting with Shane. Early appearance from Shane. Very early yeah. appearance from Shane. He he doesn't have gray hair. I don't know if he was wearing his sneakers or if he was shuffling. If it's his not while the, he was sitting. It, it's definitely not his first time on television, but I believe it might be the first time he's acknowledged as Shane McMahon. I believe he served as a referee previously under a different name. I want to say it was like Shane Nicholas or something like that. Um, so this is early Shane. So for me, the, the thing that I gravitated towards is, could you imagine going to a wrestling match and they're like, we're going to give you box seats. You're going to be all the way up <laughs> really, really far so you can see the whole ring and everyone looks small. Like Butterbean... He knew what the fuck seats to get. He got ringside. It was perfect. I think it's more about the VIP experience. Yeah. There's screen, you have your own private screens in there. I'm sure you have food and bottles. One and time I went to sunny. a... Sunny. Uh... <laughs> Yikes. Sorry, guys. Is that dark? One time I went to um, a WWE house show at Madison Square Garden, and I was in the ESPN box, and it was pretty dope and pretty swank, so... Okay. I get... Yeah. I mean, look... I'm not going to say box seats are, are not good. It's just like of all the like usually in other sports, I feel like box seats have a, a, a clearer benefit. Right. Better like viewpoint or whatever. Right. But OK, that makes sense. Yeah, it's more than the experience. So should we get to the first match? Yeah, sure. I want to just keep talking. I, don't know, I like <laughs> you guys. We have the artist formerly known as Goldust with Luna versus Vader. There's so many things here. Uh, their package. Well, I wasn't watching the Raws, so I just have a lot of exclamation. Sure. Great. Ask some questions. Yeah, let's go. Uh, Goldust has a giant baby <laughs> as Baby New Year? This thing was insane because it also re- relied on Stone Cold getting a giant porta potty down from the rafters with a complex pulley system just to throw him into there. My brain is exploding. I don't understand why I can't watch the Raw. <laughs> this reaction is what we want on the pod. None of this makes any sense. Yes. Why is why does Stone Cold have a pulley system? Why does he why is he getting a porta potty? What it does says this have Crapper to do? 316 on it? Come on. I mean Stone Cold was nuts. And Crapper 316 says, I just wiped your ass. <laughs> But Goldust is doing this gimmick at the time that the artist formerly known as Goldust is in his gimmick he changes every time. Sometimes he was doing a lot of seasonal things around the holidays and New Year. You mean when he dressed as a tree? Yeah. Seasonal. Seasonal. Um, or he copies other wrestlers' gimmicks. And now I need to show you a picture of one of the things that you missed. And I'm gonna let you just just keep scrolling to the right on this. Oh no. Oh. Oh, no. No. No! No! No, no, no! This no! Is, this is Goldust versus Flash Funk in full blackface. Mm-hmm. And, Eric, I wish I could tell you that this was the last time that we would see blackface this year in Aww. WWF. He wore an afro. He did. Oh, my God. 
this was yeah this was a bad idea um we started this podcast thinking we would talk about like what doesn't age well and i'm not sure this even qualifies technically <laughs> did it age it, it, age. it was just as shitty then it actually hasn't was aged it delivered well at all oh, my god yeah, no, this is bad. This is unequivocally bad. But like, imagine being Flash Funk and there and just being like, "Cool, this is gonna be a fun gimmick to wrestle against." Oh God, damn it! I can't wait for Flash Funk to get his gimmick changed too. Really? Yeah. Is he gonna dress as another the next a, another like, ethnicity great. also? Um. Also. Uh, Goldust hit Vader with a coconut? Yeah, that like, happened. All of these things. It's <laughs> Well, at that point, he was dressed as Sable and had coconut tits. Wait, and... he was dressed as... That's what he was dressed as? Yes. Huh? Wow. A lot going on. Yep. And King actually says it wasn't Sable, but it looked good. So King is just attracted to sexy ladies and evil? Or pleather, the, the pleather. Yeah, yeah, just pleather. Oh, yeah, okay. he's, got a, he's got a he's got a pleather kink. Because does also those thigh high boots. Yep, and blondes. I mean, it could be a lot of things. But tonight he's got like this green and purple motif. Like he's uh, he's doing the Joker before the Joker was a thing. Yeah, I couldn't. It's quite very like this. It this down. felt very nineties. This felt very like late nineties Matrix. Like like Darude Sandstorm and Glow Sticks kind of shit. I was thinking like Insane Clown Posse. Yeah, I thought that kind of fits in this aesthetic of like this like weird club kid alt weird shit. What was weirder, um, Luna's? Clear plastic skirt or gold dust's uh, gold um, bedazzled codpiece. I think that the codpiece. to the side. I think it's. The uh, yeah, cod so piece. I want to talk about Luna's lower half throughout okay. this match. I want to go from the outermost layer, like the earth. Okay, from the outermost <laughs> layer to the innermost <laughs> layer. The outermost layer were red, like lacy, sort of like mid calf socks. Okay, <laughs> that was one. Then there were very thick drag queen tights, like very thick drag queen tights all the way to like her waist, kind of like like pantyhose, but thicker. Was she padding? It, I don't think she was padding, <laughs> but it was, it was that kind of like tights, yeah. like more than pantyhose tights. Uh, then on top of that, she was wearing a thong. And then on top of that was a plastic skirt. <laughs> and I imagine that below the the tights were also underwear. So that's like six layers. That's got to be, first of all, she's the plastic in. skirt, I know it breathes on the bottom, but it's got to be warm. It retains heat like it's no other. Yeah, it, it just, it's like cooking like a easy bake oven down there. It was almost like she was like the, a clothing buffet at Sizzler. Yeah, <laughs> like with the, the, the skirt is the sneeze guard. Do you ever go to a, a thrift store where you buy clothes by the pound? <laughs> It's like she jumped feet first into one of those. <laughs> it was, um, she, they were like, listen, you can have as much as you can wear. And so she was like, all right, let's do this. They, she got, came right from the airport. She's like, I am not checking a bag. <laughs> <laughs> Putting it all on. Um, I also just wrote, I would love to be a fly in the wall when Goldust and Luna are just planning their ring gear. <laughs> like, I just would love to hear like what they're, how they're spitballing and just be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to wear a wig, but I'm going to dye my hair blue underneath. And she's like, I got a skirt. I got a skirt. 
I mean, I feel like there's a whole lot of yes anding going on. Like, yes, obviously you're going to do. Yeah, obviously you're going to going to be. They're really just good scene partners, honestly. <laughs> They're generous, but they are. They like, are. Like one thing aside, clearly, I really, really like this gimmick. Yeah, me too. The the no gimmick gimmick. Yeah, the yeah. dude does the, the be fucking weird as shit. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, geez, that that side of him as a baby. I'm gonna have to go back and watch the Raws when I have the time. Uh, well, there were six of them for this one oh, year, man. so but that was a through. lot of my life this past week. I love Luna, though. I think Luna's a badass. We we'll talk more about Luna and see more of Luna as time goes on. So I don't want to waste too much of it now. Sure, let's talk about. But she's great. And has a great history. Want to talk about but, the match? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the match I thought was only okay. I thought it was good, but just good. Um, I wasn't expecting Vader to go over on this one. I I thought that they were really going to going to keep building the heat on uh, Tafka Goldust, but um, I love seeing Vader in the ring at any point. So what's crazy about this is this match is so forgettable and this program so forgettable. But that image of the Vader bomb with Luna on his back loved it, and that they they'll use that. That's like a highlight reel, Hall of Fame reel thing because like it's it it was such a cool spot and it looked amazing and so much of that credit goes to luna who like really knows what she's doing and really knows how to land it really knows how to measure herself and took that bump that made it look legit scary dangerous extra it was it couldn't have been executed better yeah it that was that it's was iconic. my only note from it so. it's iconic it's an iconic image that they play over over and over again and i and it's still i must have watched this match for in preparation of this like four times and it never gets less cool yeah, no. Um, you had to watch the whole match for this? Jeez. Well, I, I, I would just keep it on the background, like yeah. the whole pay-per-view. So I, I would watch this over and over just again. Just osmosing it. Into yeah, yeah, yeah. Your psyche. I liked when uh, Luna hit Vader with the shoe and then hid the shoe as if you're not allowed to be wearing shoes around the ring. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. But anyone else have anything to say about this one? No. No, ma'am. <laughs> Great. Let's move on. Fuck you, Michael Cole. Wash my car. Uh, first of all, shows up in the Austin Mobile. I know this is not the first appearance of the Austin Mobile, but like, well, this is going to be the, his his last this will ride be the last. with oh, the Austin Mobile. Oh, I know. We're going to talk about that one. <laughs> he showed up. It was it was a good entrance. Then, like, I guess so. They've been playing on this whole this whole thing of like Stone Cold's marked man. Every wrestler's looking for him. Well, because Stone Cold has been on offense because he feels like he's because he feels like he's a marked man. He literally during one of the Raws took a sharpie and drew a target on his stomach, being like, "Come at me, I'm here." I see. It's pretty badass. So that's why the Godwins were looking. And he for would ad- interrupt other people's matches and stun them and do stuff to like cause trouble and try to get like the advantage on everybody. Right, he was right, just right. like he was an uncontrollable rogue. The the raw before this one, I lost count, but I it had to be at least eighteen stunners that he handed out during that raw. He's uh, unhinged. <laughs> it's great. Someone's He's got, got hinge no him. hinge. So we move on to the minis. We've got Battalion Tarantula and El Torito versus Max Mini Nova and Mosaic. Oh, Battalion was the third one. I yeah. had all of them, but not Battalion. I'm just going to add to my notes. So. In posterity later on when yeah. you pass them on to your children. When I recycle it, uh, I want the people who go through my trash to know. This is my least favorite minis match we've seen so far. I it think. wasn't very good. It um, was very arm drag heavy. And all these yes. mini matches are very arm drag heavy, but this felt even heavier than heavy. Well, and Sonny's also an 
awful referee. Terrible. Yeah. Oh, well, first of all, she gets involved in it. Yeah, she added nothing to the proceedings. I was actually... That, I, that, I, that, that was such many botches in that little, like, segment. Let's, let's talk about the match for the people who haven't watched it, because probably they won't. Or the, some of the people won't. Um, Tim. So, okay. yeah, let's walk through the match. Um, it was a match with a bunch of minis, and... Okay, well, there was a point where there's not... I mean, the minis matches kind of go by the book a lot. Like, it's like, there's the first the first two go in, and, and then, like, one of them gets thrown out in a not very... Like, it's not even convincing the way he gets thrown out. He kind of gets hit, and then he just jumps out of the ring, but it's supposed to look like he fell. Um, and then they go to the next set, then they go to the next set. At one point, though, um, Sonny... Like, there's a whole sequence... Where I think it's is it Sunny with Nova or Max Mini? I think it's Max Mini. Yeah, Sunny with Max Mini. Where uh, Max Mini, like Sunny, tries to jump over Max Mini. Tries to do a leapfrog. Misses that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max Mini gets behind Sunny, goes in through her, goes in through her legs, and then at some point, Sunny picks up Max Mini and Mac, and like assists him in in. Uh, doing a move i forget what the move is it was just like a drop kick basically okay, she was yeah. just he was just like pick, she'd pick him up and he'd like kick the right so she away. picks him up she picks him up he kicks like two or three people yeah and then like, shakes his hand i'm like what Why? yeah like a referee does right <laughs> i was like i was like is that a cool thing or is it a just a shitty thing and I, I think i landed on shitty yeah i think this thing was dumb there was also a moment where i want to say it was max mini was getting pounded on in the corner well within the reach of both of his tag partners and neither one of them decided to do anything so it's weird i also don't like i think what happened with a lot of these i'm not entirely sure of the details but i what i understand is that a lot of these guys had established other gimmicks elsewhere but didn't have the rights to use them and so that's also why these are sort of like anonymous characters with no heat and no story and whatever uh which just makes it not exciting to watch and they'll stick around for a bit battalion will go on to someone we'll see another mini we'll see later tarantula same because we'll see minis and other incarnations but some of them will be familiar if we realize it or not so a uh, couple things to note from this. I, I mean, I did not find this as as appealing as I found as we have found past minis. Agree. Uh, matches. Uh, uh, Lawler had the joke about Max Mini was reading Little Women. Uh, I did like this short joke about trying to kill himself by jumping off a curb. Yes. I did like. You like that? It was fine. I mean, I didn't love it. I'm not gonna like you know write a vulture article about how hey, it's like Bobby, joke of the week. You're canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, okay, the other thing I noticed is, I think that the rules with the minis are, and this is a, this is a hypothesis I have. Okay. Uh, I think the smaller minis are faces, always. Is that, does that sound right? Um, I don't know if that's a rule of a minis rule, but that's a, that's an overall wrestling rule of thumb, is that it's really hard to have a, Braun Strowman's like an exception, because usually monsters are heels, and smaller guys are baby faces because you generate sympathy. David right. Goliath stories automatically sure. inspire sympathy. But like in us. I don't know. I mean, I guess Undertaker kind of. There's re- there's definitely exceptions. There's exceptions. definitely exceptions. But I, so I think it's equally as enforced in Miniland. Maybe it's easier that rather than it's always it's easier. Yeah, I think it's it's more common. But right. I don't think it's a, it's not like a it's not a rule that's exclusive to minis anymore. So that it's a rule exclusive to. I agree with that. But other do you superstars. think that there are exceptions in in the mini world? I'm sure there are. I do. I'm sure there's like a larger mini who's a face. I'm sure that exists. Okay. All right. 
Uh, and then the other thing I... A maxi, if you will. <laughs> maxi many. So my other question is, uh, in WWF or WWE, do minis ever actually have like a full program? Like, like it seems like always, it seems like in every match the face wins. I, I haven't seen a match where the heel wins. That's what I mean. There's no real heat. There's no real story. Some of these guys get recycled in different masks. And no, you know what I mean? Like, it's not... I can't think... I can't recall from memory any meaningful mini storyline. And any time I think that the WWF or WWE has used a little person with any kind of, like, continuing storyline, it's with... Um, bigger people. Yeah, it's like in conjunction oh, with something else. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. All right. Well, then, uh, I, I think the the gimmick is starting to wear thin with me now. Yeah, I really. I don't, like, like I said, this was not my favorite. I did not enjoy rewatching this the way I enjoyed watching. I even though the the Vader Luna spot every time it came on, I was like excited to watch it again. Yeah, yeah. There was nothing here that I cared to revisit. No. Um, by the way, I think the the the. The closing music for the match sounded a lot like The Price is Right. Yeah, it was a little bit like that. It had like, I mean, obviously, it, it took a few flourishes because it was like, what, calypso music? Or I don't know what you would call it. Salsa? I don't know. I, I think Eric is also sick of calypso and salsa music being all over the place, too. Who, me? Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Until you don't. Don't cancel me. So then we go backstage where Farouk is trying to uh, reestablish some dominance here. My mind was blown again. A lot of a lot of big jumps here, man. Mm-hmm. This is some staff changes. Wow, Mark Henry is in Nation of Domination. How the fuck does that happen? It happens in a match against Mark Henry and Shamrock, where Mark Henry shows up in a Rocky Suck shirt. Later starts pummeling down on Shamrock, rips open the Rocky Suck shirt to reveal a Nation of Domination shirt. What is going on? Did they, what was this, did they give any background to it? Were they just like, it's because you're black. Yeah, basically. Basically, yeah. But also, it's, the Nation of Domination, I think, is interesting leading into this Royal Rumble because Royal Rumble is every man for himself. And there's all these like little teases of these like dissension among the ranks of the Nation of Domination. But especially between Farouk Farouk and and The Rock Rock, because Farouk has long been the leader of this. But now The Rock is the face and at this point has risen to one of the biggest heels in the company he's a top guy in the company he, like the amount of i mean we're going into this rock shamrock match and i think actually the progress both have made in their time with the company is already very surprising and, yeah. and cool it's funny because i mean uh I might, I might just have like a prejudice against ken shamrock i don't know if i'll ever fully like him uh i feel like the the rise of the rock star at this point seems fully justified because he he's just you know he he's been he he was 
he did it himself, right? He he made himself yeah super hateable. Well, it started. It started. It wasn't even making himself super hateable. He was hated for doing exactly what like the company line was, and. He, then going heel, I think we've said it before, going heel right. is a lot easier to go over because you get to be this cocky asshole. Right, but like, but, you know, he we've had people try to be heels and not be that good mm-hmm. also. So, so he, he did a great job with it. And I think with, with Shamrock, a lot of what I feel from, what I get from Shamrock is just, he gets really angry, he screams, and he just does like, I, I haven't seen anything from him like, I did not like Vader when I first started because I was just like, I don't know, what's his deal? He seems stupid. I love Vader now. Vader won me over. I don't think Ken Shamrock has won me over at this point. He's getting, I mean, like, he's also developing this persona and his gimmick gets start to get developed where basically he's like a super dangerous man, but if you push him just a little too far, he, like, goes into Wolverine Berserker mode. And, like, that's his gimmick, basically. He snaps. And when he snaps, that's when he can't be, like, held accountable for his actions. And he's putting, you know, old dudes in ankle locks and freaking out. Uh, I think Ken Shamrock is great. I think he puts on great matches. I he he's doing a lot less. Well, we all Rock, know you're sure. biased towards Ken Shamrock. Yeah, I am biased towards Ken. But you, you, I mean, you can't compare. I mean, The Rock's one of the greatest superstars of all time. Of course, Ken Shamrock's not as, the same level as The Rock, but and, I and, think Shamrock's doing good with character stuff here. And Ken Shamrock isn't Mike Tyson, obviously, but there's definitely something about somebody coming from an actual sports background. He has an air of has, real badassery. Yeah, that has a pedigree to it. Okay. Um, what is Weird for me is The Rock's current events bit. Yeah, okay, so I have so many notes about this okay. because I went Great. back and forth this over and over again. Cause like, first of all, I was like, can someone please remind me what happened with Paula Jones? So I Googled that. That was my first thing to Google. Oh, he was talking about, he mentioned Paula Jones? Yeah, sp- specifically. Yeah. He was like, it's not just the president. If you'd he's, let out with dogs, you wake up with fleas. So he yeah, does, yeah, yeah. he's doing this thing now where people keep asking me about Paula Jones and Bill keep oh people keep asking the rock's opinion on Paula Jones and Bill Clinton people keep asking about the rock's opinion on the annexation of Poland in 1940 like just keep <laughs> bringing up these like these weird current events and saying people keep asking and but all i care about is uh, as long as my money keeps saying keeps shining then it's all good with the rock it's weird and it does not work for me at all and i want him to stop doing it I... so i kind of think it works I liked, I liked, don't be silly, you've got to cover it, Willie. I thought that was a good fucking line. But, like, here's the thing I don't understand about this that's also very bizarre about it. This is January 1998, and I believe that the initial lawsuit happened in, like, early, like, like it got, like, wrapped up on, like, May 97, when the court ruled against Clinton. Like, again, on, like, letting the lawsuit to proceed. Like, it all... I don't get, like, why this was news. Uh, the judge report broke that Monica Lewinsky <laughs> and Bill Clinton did that shit. I don't know. I guess. That's why. But then why not bring up Monica Lewinsky? It just felt very weird. I couldn't understand, like, what the news pick was in the Paula Jones story versus anything else. Like, why he's even bringing this up. And also, like... like Paula Jones was, like, a madam? She no, she was just like a person that they got like brought to his hotel room. Yeah, I don't know. They're... I can never remember. And I, I started listening to that like podcast about the um, the the scandal of Bill Clinton. Yeah, fuck that guy. Oh yeah, that guy's a fucking asshole and a definitely, allegedly a pedophile, <laughs> right? Child rapist, definitely, allegedly. Ooh, I don't feel comfortable. That's a real. That, that's a yeah. Let's just let's just cut Check that. the flight let's logs. Just cut that out. Check the fucking flight logs. Let's get refills of seltzers too. 
Um, so here's something that I think I might have missed. How did The Rock get the Intercontinental belt? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. This is so great. This is so great. Okay. Glad I didn't watch. So, <laughs> um, so Degeneration X in your house, if you'll remember... The so-called drove his truck into the arena and used it on basically every member of DX, like smashed them all over the place. Vince is pissed about this for some reason and has said that The Rock is getting a rematch against Stone Cold Steve Austin the night after Degeneration X. Okay, So Austin is like, no, I'm not going to do that. I have my sights set on higher things now, which I think is a baller move. Like, I don't care about this fucking intercontinental title i want the big gold i want the the big one so i'm just gonna uh give this one over to the rock and and he can have it but he doesn't give him the title he leaves and says next week i'm gonna be doing something with this title and you just you wait and see next week stone cold like there's all these reports stone cold is driving up 95 stone cold is on it cuts to a bridge where Stone Cold throws off, first it's like a scuba tank and a pager and a cell phone for some reason, and then he throws the Intercontinental title off of a bridge. Wow. Wait, so did The Rock get on his wetsuit and (laughs) go diving? It doesn't logically make a lot of sense. This was not looked at the smartest move, and a lot of people thought Austin, this was Austin refusing a job. Um, like won't lose the title, yeah, yeah. and so this was a way to kind of like write around it. Um, but really, it comes down to allegedly, according to Bruce Pritchard, for example, that this was a Vince McMahon thing, being knowing they were strapping a rocket to the back of Austin straight to WrestleMania and straight to the championship, that they were like, he can't have this belt, but we also can't afford to have him lose the belt, so we got to do something that doesn't make sense just to like get the belt off of him without harming him in any way because he's on this huge trajectory right now. But also, it's cool. It's all. It also it. And especially to children, great. I think like the Dave Meltzers of the world and like people who were like following wrestling were like, "What? That actually uh, doesn't excuse me. That doesn't make any sense. Like you know, the Rock doesn't just get the belt. Then like if he vacates it, there should be a tournament. Like something, like, someone should do something that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. they just they just gave it to the Rock. No, but he, Vince said there was a match. Stone Cold forfeits the match, so I don't know. I think it's fine. But forfeits, forfeits, and disqualifications don't end usually. In a title it wouldn't usually. You know what I mean? I feel yeah. like it would be like more like when Ziggler was like, "I'm leaving the company." There's like, a, I feel like there'd be like a tournament or something, or at least like a number one contenders match or like a battle royale or I don't know. Anyway, but regardless. also, who the fuck cares? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Now, it's cool. Dwayne the Rock Johnson has gold around his waist, and like in a way that we actually want him to have gold around his waist. Uh, okay. That is not what I expected as the in-between story. I love the finish of this match with Shamrock and The Rock. And you want to walk us through the match a little bit, Bob? Um, I go through the ending. Is that cool? Yeah, I mean, sure. like, yeah, yeah. Are we, are we... Before we get there, um, they mentioned that The Rock has a degree in criminology. That might be true. That makes sense. Is I... this how he became Hobbs? <laughs> <laughs> It could that could be true. I know he went because he played um, college football, so he went to college. Yeah, he went to Miami. Um, he was a hurricane, and he he like did criminology with like a minor in like physical therapy or something like or you know sports medicine. Well, I mean, we all know there's a lot of dumb cops out there, so I feel yeah. like if you're an athlete, might as well just be a criminology major. Yeah, why not just try to you know solve yeah solve real crimes. It's probably the guy in uh, in um, 
Mindhunter was also, he was just like a Division One athlete, and he was like, well, I might as well start profiling serial killers because nothing else is going to happen. Don't know, haven't watched. What? It's really good. Second season was really good. I it's gotten better. I thought, second was, I thought the second season was better than the first. Oh, well, the first, yeah, did not hit my marks. I thought the second one was, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, what are we talking about? Rock and Gemrock, yes. Uh, other match was good. The ending was kind of like a screwy ending in a way that you don't see often. Yeah. Um, so the nation's down there. Obviously, the nation's always been a, a thorn on the side. D'Lo gets himself tangled in the ropes while the referee is distracted. The Rock nails Shamrock with brass knucks. However, after he does it, he takes the knucks off and he hides them in Shamrock's trunks. How I'm great is it, jealous. by the way, that they say knucks instead of knuckles? Yeah, really right. good. It's, and I'm, sucking with, I'm sticking I, with I it. Know. Yeah. I, I, I fucks with some knucks. Uh, <laughs> I can fucks with some knucks. And so he puts on his tights. Shamrock still kicks out of the brass knuckle shot, which is a baller move in its own 100%. right. 100%. That was yeah. very, the crowd popped for it because that was exciting. Yeah. Um, Shamrock puts on his Cause, finisher. Because again, Brass knuckles are murder weapons. Yeah, like, brass knuckles you are will legit. kill somebody if you hit somebody in the head with yeah. brass knuckles. First of all, his his eye would have been immediately Exploded. swollen shut. His head would have burst like a grape. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not. No, he doesn't have encephalitis. I think he's okay. But he gets up. He hits his shitty finisher, this belly belly suplex. I think is a, a weak ass finisher. His finisher is really the ankle lock, but whatever. He hits the bullshit belly to belly. He pins him, gets the one, two, three. Crowd goes well. New IC champ. Pins him for like five. Yeah, true. Pins him for 103. Uh, but he's the new champ. Everyone's excited. Yay, Ken Shamrock. Yay. The Rock goes over to the ref and he's like, no way, man. When you weren't looking, he hit me with brass knuckles. I swear. Check his trunks. And then ref checks Ken Shamrock's trunks. Again, jealous. jealous. Uh, takes out the brass knucks. And he's like, wait a minute. You had brass knucks this whole time. You're disqualified. He goes, what are these? Yeah. What are these? What are those? You're going to sit here and smoke this whole pack of brass knuckles. <laughs> uh, I loved it. I loved yeah. this ending because I was just like, for me, as I was experiencing it live, I was like, Oh, why is he putting the brass knucks in in the trunk in like in Shamrock's trunks? Well, man, Shamrock's got to feel the trunks next to his dick. As, so, as a criminology major, <laughs> Rock knows that possession is nine tenths of the law. Can I no? Can I point out by the way that the Rock criminology major, pretty close to a cop, planted fucking evidence. Wow, wow. they're all wow. pigs. Wow, wow, it happened. Right, right? don't go for Kamala. Um, <laughs> I heard Kamala's going to do a haka at her next rally. <laughs> She's fucking over, man. The look of murder in Shamrock's eyes, though, at the end of this, like, like that's why I love Shamrock because the way that he snaps, like, on a dime. Yeah, no. I, what I was going to say was, I was waiting for. I thought it was going to be uh, a case of uh, Chekhov's knucks. Because I was like, I thought what I thought was the was going to be the move was Shamrock, you know, you know, is so is anno- is really upset. He's like he's angry because the Rock has like you know hit him with brass knuckles, pinned him or, or tried to pin him, whatever. And I thought he was gonna reach in and be like, well, you're gonna get these fucking things back. And like I thought he was gonna reach in and grab it. But this was such a better ending than what I could have come up with for that. Because I was like, oh my god, yes, he planted it. I mean, it's weird that that. Ken Shamrock was just like, what? I don't even know what's in my dick. Like, <laughs> it's right there. I, did, I, I liked it. I just, my disbelief was suspended for that. Though, wait, but one more thing. We're talking about what we love about Ken Shamrock. 
I hate to break the time-space continuum and take us out of this, Mm -hmm. but I do one quick shout-out to our listeners. If you are at all following today's wrestling, I cannot recommend enough Oni Lorkin on NXT, his Twitter account. It is truly, it is is honestly performance art. It's so good. (laughs) It is uh, at underscore Star Destroyer. It is so fucking funny. It cracks me up. His the character he doesn't is so good, but he did a tweet about Ken Shamrock, and it's so funny. I'll read it to you right yeah, now. Read it. It's a, it, this is first of all written all in caps, no punctuation. One time I asked Ken Shamrock to watch my match, and he said yes. Then during the entire match, I kept looking over at him, and he was looking at me with his arms crossed. Then after the match, I asked him how I did, and he looked me directly into my eyes and said he didn't see my match. <laughs> Which is at once the most Oni Lorcan thing I can imagine, but also the most Ken Shamrock thing I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Of being like, going to Ken Shamrock specifically and going, will you watch my match? Ken Shamrock looking you in the face going, sure. Ken Shamrock, arms crossed, staring at you, unblinking while you do your match. <laughs> and then go to Ken Shamrock after going, how'd I do it? And him going, I didn't watch your match. Because Ken Shamrock has the ability to stare at you with both eyes open and not see at all. And like go somewhere else in his head and like totally disassociate. It is so funny to he me. He was probably mentally at the bar because it was like, last call. I love him. I'm sure he was at like a fucking uh, a Dropkick Murphys concert or something. <laughs> I'm obsessed with the fact that Ken Shamrock is Boston yes, personified. That's, well, that's, that was what my last call joke was, but you got it better. You hit it better. Hey, we're all a team here. I love how the Bariquas call cameramen over. <laughs> World star! <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it's like... Hey, it's... hey, hey, you gotta you got come over here and film this thing. That we're, we're gonna beat out this guy. You gotta, you gotta follow us. It's always Savio who's just like, I got this story for you, man. <laughs> and he has to, like, it narrate. Was, it, yeah, it wasn't like that weird preamble where he told that weird story before, like, about the... the I just got my license. The and then, uh... <laughs> Their bike ran under my thing. But yeah. man, yeah, there's a bald guy over there. It must be Stone Cold Steve Austin. That is very funny. Tall Stone Cold. Look, it's Tall Stone Cold. <laughs> what? So DOA at this well, time. We all know we're in a tall girl moment right now. So don't get me started on tall girl. Ladies. Ah. Um, the funny thing about so DOA at this time is kind of like dissolving because right. so Crush has left the company. Um, apparently, Bulk and Skull. Yeah, it was Vulcan Skull. No. Uh, Crush was injured in a match with Kane and got very fired up about it, no pun intended, uh, and left the company. I thought it was the screwjob. I thought it was the screwjob, too, but then I listened to something else today that turns out it's not. Okay. <laughs> he got fired up about being in a match with Kane? He left after getting injured in a match with oh, Kane. Is what, so I don't know if this is like an errata, like I have to make a post of correction, that it wasn't the screwjob. Also, he might have not showed up to work because of the screwjob and then whatever, but this was apparently the last... I this was uh, I'll cite my source from again just so we're clear listeners I never worked for WWE so <laughs> uh, as the your quote unquote historian I am just literally repeating what I like read in like pro wrestling ble- the black and white newsprint pages of pro wrestling magazine in the nineties uh, but I do listen to Bruce Pritchard's podcast and read some other stuff in wrestling biographies and whatever anyway Bruce Pritchard who did work at the time said that's why Crush left and I tend to trust his take okay. on things because he was there sure. So the leaves are the DOA a lot in flux. I believe Skull and or Eight Ball or both or whatever are, are are not long for the company. Well, they 
have yet to figure out which one is which. They, and, <laughs> and it's almost put a like bell on skull. Something. <laughs> it's almost like at this point they're like, eh, why bother? At this point, eh, who cares? <laughs> really, truly, they they put a little nail polish on, on eight ball's back on his toe on one toenail. Do you think skull and eight ball are kind of like the like the wrestling version of uh, American Psycho, where like no one knows the difference between. Uh, what is it? The main guy, Paul Allen, and the other guy, Patrick Bateman. Was that Patrick Bateman and Paul Allen? Like they're just like I don't know. I, I thought I thought I was I, I had dinner with you, Skull, last night. Like, yeah, no, you didn't. The Disciples of Apocalypse are actually a metaphor for '80s Reagan consumerism. <laughs> I knew it, um, but it's very funny that they just were like a bald guy. It's got to be Austin. <laughs> so yeah. then we go on to the tag team championships, and questions eric i'm sure a lot okay. uh there's an lod package with the most mournful music playing over it well i know why it's because the new age outlaws they've now been named yes uh they're the new age outlaws they shaved hawk's head they shaved they shaved one half. of the they his right mohawk off. which honestly to be fair was the most insulting thing they could have done <laughs> they shaving both would have been a favor <laughs> They say, I, I think they say the the right mohawk is what uh, controls your creativity. It's your left side. Yeah, the, yeah, le- yeah. The, le- the left side is for math <laughs> logic. Um, uh, okay, yeah, that was a lot going on. Also, what the fuck was Jesse James wearing on his head? Yes. Wow, I was trying to honestly think, remembering when that came to be, and they will be there for so long. For people who did not watch this, I don't know if they, or don't plan to, Jesse James had full braids, like 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 extensions. cornrows. I would Cornrow say, yeah, more. It was it was not cornrows. This was not like British Bulldogs Cancun braids, but it wasn't quite dreadlocks. But it was definitely something in between those things. You know what it reminded me of? Corn. It did. It was corn esque. Yeah. It was. It's very bad, and it's a terrible look. And it will make Jesse James one of the only members of DX historically. I would absolutely categorically not have sex with. Okay. Uh, also, uh, for whatever reason, the New Age Outlaws. Uh, I, I. I mean, I guess. What? Well, where was? Where did this take place? So this took place in San Jose, California. Okay. Okay. Do you so know the way? Sense. What's that? Do you know the way? <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, was that that was by um the what's what's your face who did the um she was she did she did the psychics hotline too Dionne Warwick Dionne Warwick do you know she hated that song she didn't want to sing it and I met her once she's like this song is stupid and then she sang it and it was a huge hit I met her once and they literally she came in they're like that's Dionne Warwick and they all went don't ask her about Whitney Houston I wasn't going to, but now that you said it, it's all I can think about. Was Whitney Houston her like niece or something? Her goddaughter. Yeah, her goddaughter. Also might be her niece, but I know it was her goddaughter. I swear to God, though, they literally were like, don't ask anything about Whitney Houston. And I was like, oh God, now literally the only words I can think of are Whitney Houston. I'm going to be here and be like, hi, nice to meet you. I'm be like, hi, yes, Whitney Houston to you too. Whitney Houston Houston. But yeah, Eric, I think I know where you're going with this. Yes. Okay. So... Where I'm going with this is, I'm pretty sure they were they were wearing they both show up wearing Packers jerseys. Yes, and I'm pretty sure they were wearing Packers jerseys. And this is um, this is around the time. This is January, so it must be around the time of like the the uh, Super. It's, it's NFL playoffs. It's, playoff it's not. Yeah. It's not. Super it's Bowl. not Super Bowl. No Super Bowl. 
Um, they, well, they wouldn't program the Royal Rumble against the Super Bowl first but off. But they should. Yeah, they should, yeah. Um, so they're probably doing that, and I'm assuming that either... I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I used to follow football. I don't as much anymore. I don't remember if the Packers and the and the 49ers were in the same division. Like, if they would have faced each other already or if they're supposed to face each they're other. They're not. Um, I, I did do a little research in this. The... Packers knocked the 49ers out of uh, the playoffs three years in the 90s. That's what I figured. Okay. I figured it had something to do with with getting knocked out by the Packers. But then also, they show up in a Packers jersey, and then it cuts to a guy in the audience wearing a Packers jersey. Weird. Yeah. So So not not a good cut. Just want to watch the world burn. But also, also, they're wearing just the same Packers jersey. Like... (laughs) There was no other player than Brett Favre, uh, like on the Packers. Like they, it was like, well, name another player on the Packers from that time. Yeah, uh, I wasn't watching football at that time. I don't know. Um, Dion Warwick. Speaking of the 49ers, on one of the Raws on the lead up to this, we see a young either Jimmy or Jay Uso. Uh, wearing a 49ers jacket, telling uh, Santa Claus in the ring that he is not the real Santa Claus before Stone Cold Steve Austin stuns him. Whoa. Stuns Jimmy or Jay? Yes, he stuns a child. (laughs) Honestly, in 98, I wouldn't be surprised. That's really cool. Um, Meanwhile, that was just the Sultan's kid. (laughs) Yeah, right? So, in my mind, I feel like Jesse James was like, Oh, let me get a Brett Favre jersey, and and um, and Billy Gunn was just like, "I'll get uh, the same. I'll have the same well, in the same size." They've been wearing matching shirts for a few weeks now, except including they're, the they're, South Park. Shirts. Yeah, exactly. Their shirts of choice have all been Cartman shirts. Wow. Yeah, this also it's nineteen ninety eight. Come on, 90s. it's nineteen ninety eight. It's yeah. it's very ninety eight. I had at least five South Park shirts at I, this point. I had zero. I never, yeah, and to this day, you don't were like, like in South college, Park. Right? I was in high school, and couldn't do it. I, I watched. I, I think we like watched the uh, Santa Claus versus Jesus. The thing. movie that wasn't the, the, the movie. The, the, the short film, oh. or whatever they did. Oh, that thing. The, the the one that got them the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and then I watched. I watched it, and I and I liked the first season. I've seen every episode of South Park, and at its best, it's one of the best examples of satire I've ever seen. Every and at its worst, episode. it's fucking unwatchable. Oh, at its worst, it's also like guys being like, "Well, everybody has an opinion about things." <laughs> like they just fucking. They're like, uh, b- "People who do these things are bad, but also the people who call them out are bad." I <laughs> am afraid that if we do go hard on South Park, we are going to have zero listeners of this podcast. <laughs> so I'm making a very gentle push to cut the whole South Park on because. I do think there's a not small chance that if we do go hard on South Park, we will have literally zero listeners. And right now, we are currently like I don't know the 52 most popular wrestling podcast in in the Deutschland. And so, can we please definitely in in, in Britain? Let's uh, like let's make, maybe we should just like not. This okay, is I'll let's say it. this for I'll off the pod. No. Yeah, wait, are no, we going to be canceled? Should. Are we going to be canceled for should. our views on South Park? I really do think that it will. We will lose listeners. It is weird. No, it is weird though that that like if people are listening to us and they've heard everything we've said to date, and then they're like, "But these guys don't like South Park." Guys, like, I'm just saying that I do think there is a very I think the overlap of pro wrestling nostalgists and people who under who look at South Park as a bastion of 
uh, top flight satire. You mean Aaron? There's a full. No, I think there's a full. <laughs> I think the, the Venn diagram is almost completely overlapped. <laughs> uh, I do believe. Because also, I understand. I do get, and I don't disagree that I think when South Park fires all cylinders, it does things very well. It's still at its best. Are you doing this for the pod? Because no, no, no. Doing no. This very, very like. No, I, 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 I am being serious. Recorded for posterity. We'll see. At its best. South Park, I wish it well. I never have enjoyed a moment of South Park. And I think, again, even when I can recognize you be like, that's smart and a good point and like, what a good fresh take. I still be like, but I still do not want to watch this. Thank you. So before the match also, LOD does a promo. And typically the promos are Animal gives a very generic, like, we're going to go in there and beat you up promo. And then Hawks does something insane. Well, uh, Animal never cuts a promo where he doesn't mention beating butts in yes. there at some point. I just yes. want to put but that But this promo, Animal comes in at a 12. <laughs> <laughs> Animal comes in and he... And I never... I did notice this before, but I guess I didn't realize how unsettling it was where his makeup makes it so hard to see his eyes. And so now he is full bore screaming. He is... <laughs> ranting and raving like a lunatic you cannot see his eyes and when you do get flashes of white which is like insane strobing effect on his face he's never looking at the camera and so the whole thing looks i mean it was unsettling and deranged and it's one of my favorite things i ever watched i don't know I, half the words i maybe understood 30 percent of what he was saying beat butts at all but there but all of it that whole 30 percent was about butts that's for sure uh, I also, I, I mean, my big take from this was I thought Hawk actually kind of looks better with half of his head shaved. <laughs> like, what, like, see, yeah, he's both like, would have been in the profile, favor. right profile, left profile, right profile, and I was like, you know what, this is uh this might be an improvement. Also, I do. Then they go to Hawk, and first of all, Hawk calls Michael Cole Mikey Cole, which I loved. That was, that was very funny to me. It's definitely the least insane. It Hawk is the promo. most coherent Hawk promo. It's it like. Was, you think well, well, which did start with that, which I appreciated consistency, branding. I love it, but then um, it was like you guys think you're so cool, which is honestly a good way to start because that is their gimmick. Is like we're like cool bad boys. You think you're so cool? You think Billy Gunn is cool. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Road dog with his cornrows is cool, uh, but you'll be Corn even colder because we're putting you on ice. I'm like that is a good yeah. way. Yeah. Very good. Claps all around. Um, but and, but it, it was honestly, you know the thing, you know how John Mulaney says that he did at Salt and Pepper Diner where he does like, it's not unusual, it's not unusual, it's not unusual, then one, what's no, new pussy? No, what's new pussy? Oh, what's new pussy? Yeah, but then there, but there's one, it's not unusual uh, yeah. to kind of throw things off. That's what this promo felt like. It's, it's like, a rest. Hawk is insane, Hawk is insane, Hawk is insane, animal's insane! And like, and so it really, it, it just had a lot of effect. I mean, well, I loved it. And I feel like they're going to be, like, extra insane really soon, right, Bobby? Yes. I think this... Um, I did not love this match, and I didn't think that they did a great job in this match, and I do think this this does feel a lot of, like, old-school versus new-school in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, I love... And loved, that they couldn't keep up with. I loved uh, Hawk being handcuffed on the ring and then breaking, breaking away the from handcuffs. it. Yep. Um, also, their, their, their new pads... Like they didn't have time to paint them, so they were just like whatever. They were like the the original pads you get from the store that still have the the horns, the the spikes on them. 
like, you know, okay, the sure. ones you go to the store when you're playing like post-apocalyptic rollerball <laughs> right. or whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm playing murder football. Yeah. Can you uh, can you outfit me? Did you ever see the remake of Rollerball? The one with Keanu Reeves or the one that? No, Ke- it's yeah. not. It's not Keanu Reeves. It's um, what's his name from American Pie? <gasps> Chris Klein. Yes. 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 And, yes. And, and Paul yes. Heyman is in it. Oh, I, it was a long time ago, and I was very. I, I will watch do... that movie anytime. Hey, I'm down. Okay, I'm well, down. sure. Let's do it. We all live near each other now. I have nothing to say about this match. I literally have a blank space. <laughs> so the only thing I have from this match was Jerry Lawler's an extended bit about the Road Warriors where it's not even a metaphor at this point. He's mapping. And he's just like mapping it all to John Glenn, the <laughs> yes. astronaut who I guess was going back into space. Yes. Uh, at this time, but he was seventy four. I mean, like, but truly, you could tell it was a story that only he heard. Like, he read it. Like, he heard on the Today Show that morning or whatever. I had to, like, it took so long to get there. Where he's like, you know, the Road Warriors. They're like, uh, they're like, uh, like John Glenn, the astronaut. You know, the one. He was the first up orbiting the orbiting the Earth or whatever. And now he's going up as a seventy seven year old. He's seventy four. Can you believe he's going back? It's kind of like you know what I'm saying. They're like we're living their glory. And I was like, wow, a lot of time to get there, Jerry. Uh, could you just said the reliving their glory days and skip the John Glenn metaphor? But no. he needed uh, he needed to peg it on something. He needed Oof. that news peg. They are all three of them the greatest heroes that the United States have ever had in all of history. I mean, John I Glenn and the Red Warriors. Yeah, yeah. Road War- we call him Road Warrior John Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> Hawk actually... Uh, That's our new t-shirt. Right when you talk to John Glenn, he goes, Well! <laughs> Hawk was actually the original like uh, golden retriever they sent to space. <laughs> One I don't know why that tracks, but it does. Thank you. I know. As I was saying it, I was like, I don't know about this. Uh, it feels true, though. Mildred Bowers. Fucking Mildred Bowers. Did you guys all do the research after that? Did you do... <laughs> A woman who's about to turn 103 had a special request for her birthday celebration. Beer. Harv Jacobs tells us it's part of her daily routine that she says keeps her going. Mildred Bowers has seen a lot in the last 103 years. Mildred, called Millie by her friends, lived through the Great Depression and outlived two husbands. Holy shit, Mildred Bowers is my favorite person ever. She's amazing. Give her all the trucks. Yeah, also, give her all the her trucks. let her drive it. <laughs> not, after, not after four, though. Because at four <laughs> o'clock, at the home, she gets her beer, and she should not, and also we should take her keys. <laughs> In the video, they're like, they're like, we discovered she like wanted to have a beer, and we thought, why not? We consulted <laughs> with a team of medical experts, and their conclusion was... Why not? <laughs> Literally, if I make it to 102 years old and I want a beer at 4 p.m., then you better fucking give me a beer. First of all, could you imagine Mildred Bowers, 103-year-old Mildred Bowers, rolling up in a pickup truck that has a skull? Yes. On it's 100% your whoop-ass or yes, whatever. I can. That means she's going to kill her? you. She's She is death incarnate. <laughs> So Mildred wins a truck, <laughs> and and also no, they didn't even fucking call her on air for this one. No, because they had to. Co- it's after visiting hours at the home. <laughs> well, also I bet it's like so not the brand they were hoping for. I bet they were hoping some like someone's like, man, I just turned sixteen. This is my first car. I'm taking it to prom, and instead they got Mildred Bowers. <laughs> They're like, I this have isn't what we wanted. More questions. <laughs> 
What this was a thing on Raw? They were like, call, they were like, uh, yeah, win, yeah, win, win Stone Cold's truck. It wasn't a big thing though. So Mildred Bowers watches Raw regularly. I'm picturing Stone Cold and Mildred Bowers having a Tuesdays with Maury kind of thing. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, a hundred. But 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 Mil, but Stone Cold teaches Mildred about life. <laughs> Mildred's like, oh, yeah, I guess I should have a beer every day. <laughs> Love it. We've been noticing at the home that she keeps giving all the residents the finger. <laughs> she she crawls on all four, like on on, on her on her this elbows. Weird head wobble. Just gets in her yeah. head's bobbling. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Mildred Bowers, we at Hell in a Cell Phone salute you. R.I.P. Babe. Holy rest in power. Shit. Holy shit! I love. First of all, it, Mildred Bowers is one of those names where. When you see that name, you go, she's at least 80. Yeah. There, there are no Mildred. She was born 103. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, there's, the only Mildred in pop culture I know is, like, was it Mildred Pierce? Mildred Pierce? Pierce? Yeah. I don't even know what that is. It's, I just a, know it's a movie thing. based on a book? <laughs> with, I think, <laughs> with, I think. Oh, yeah. Mildred Pierce based on the novel Push by Sapphire. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's starring, uh, not Betty Davis, but who's the other one? Joan Crawford. Joan Crawford. Joan Crawford was in Mildred Pierce. Correct. Um, I don't remember. I don't know anything else. But there's murder. <laughs> it's in the Library of Congress. It's culture significant. Anyone else wondering what Shane McMahon and Mike Tyson are talking about up in that box? Well, we'll get to it after the Rumble because then we get a real taste of, of Mike Tyson's um, state of mind for this event. I so by the way, um, for the Stone Cold package, I I literally wrote I understood very little of this, but I think you've explained it. Yeah. Prior, right? So Stone Cold's been doing a lot of run-ins. He's mm-hmm. been fucking around with stuff. Have they started saying, "Dear God"? No, the they haven't said it yet. Fuck. Okay. Believe me, the second they do, I'll let you know. Yeah. Thank you. But let's get to the 1998 Royal Rumble. <laughs> I would like to say I am very excited for this one because I will not be asking about like who's this seventy five percent of Who the is Royal that Rumble. Guy? Over, let's zoom out a little bit because we'll go specifics and pick out some high points in the match. But I think overall I didn't love this Rumble. Overall, I thought the Rumble was often too crowded. I agree, and I think it was a lot of mid card shit birds that had no chance of winning, and therefore there was no drama. Like, yes. Mark Merrow was never going to win. Kama Mustafa, never going to win. The Godwin's never going to win. Mosh, Thrasher. There's a lot of, there was a lot of fodder. The only, the only uh, drama that I thought was interesting was the Nation of Domination. Yeah, there was a couple storylines. I mean, we can go through, we'll talk, we'll well, talk yeah. through some well, of them as well, we go. But let's do. Zoomed out, that yeah, was yeah, my yeah. overall. I agree. I, I was mostly bored. Yeah. Let's do like we do when we talk about the Rumble, and we'll go by fives. Yeah, we'll go in chunks. Okay. So, first five into the Rumble. Cactus Jack, Chainsaw Charlie, Tom Brandy, The Rock, and Mosh. I have a lot to talk about here. A lot to talk about. I have a lot lot to talk about here. Can we start with um, Cactus Jack? Because I think I need to say, I think Cactus Jack is my favorite incarnation of Mick Foley. Did anything happen in the Raws with Cactus Jack in the meantime? Oh, yes. So I have to go back and watch that. Well, are you gonna tell me to talk about <laughs> um, to talk about Cactus Jack? I think we need to talk about Chainsaw Charlie. And I can give you a lot about Chainsaw Charlie. I'm go very excited it. to talk about Chainsaw Charlie. I go am very it. excited about Chainsaw Charlie. I was like, "What is going on?" And uh, okay, oh man. So Terry Funk yeah. is Chainsaw Charlie's real name. 
Terry Funk is from one of those like families, wrestling families that goes back to the territory. We talked, about, yeah, we talked about Terry Funk. Eric seen seen Terry Funk at the last Rumble, right? And yeah. then Terry so, Funk was at um, Bad Blood, one of the the, but the famous. People. Terry Funk um, was an original old school territory and he, guy. He used to be a, a tag team wrestler with. McFoley. McFoley was, and Katachek was a sort of protege, especially yeah. in Japan where they were doing these death matches. And I want to read you the name of a match that Cactus Jack had with with Terry Funk in Japan. This is the kind of match. So we say triple threat, fatal four-way, extreme rules, whatever. This is the match type. Ready? It is called a no ropes, barbed wire, exploding barbed wire, boards and exploding ring time bomb death match. <laughs> This is where he lost his ear? Half um, his ear? He lost his ear in something like that. Yeah. I don't know if it was that one specifically. Exploding barbed wire? Yes. Boards. It's insane. It would have been insane. I copy and pasted it directly. I was like, I can't with this. Um, so he's making a name for himself as this sort of hardcore guy. There is a wrestler wrestling in Japan as Leatherface with a Leatherface gimmick, yeah. including a chainsaw. Yeah. Terry Funk literally pointed out that gimmick to Bruce Pritchard and others and was like, that's a great gimmick. Vince could make a lot on that gimmick. We should do something. They really think he's the fucking, like, takes, takes a chainsaw killer like, or whatever. Like, it's crazy. So when this when they asked Terry Funk to come back, he's like, I want to do this gimmick. I want to do the, the, the Leatherface gimmick. Yeah. When I was younger, he was friends with an NFL player from the Denver Broncos named John Ayers. John Ayers had just died recently. And so Terry Funk... It took his face. It took his, <laughs> cut, cut it off with a chainsaw. Took his face um, off. Up. But they, when they were kids, they used to go to a barber and they called the barber Chainsaw Charlie. And that's the name Aww. Chainsaw that's Charlie. That's actually very, so very that's, sweet. So that's how this all comes together in this character who debuts on Raw out of a box. Why? Because Jim Cornette thought guys that come out of boxes always get over. Wait, what? No, wait, wait, is, wait, wait, wait. He debuted him out of a box? There is literally a, a, a pine box... On the um, on the stage for most of Raw, and everyone's like, "What's in the box? What's in the box?" And then, so during a match where it's uh, Mick Foley versus the New Age Outlaws, all of a sudden, Chainsaw starts going through this box, and Chainsaw Charlie bursts out of the box. Jim Cornette is right. <laughs> Instantly, over. Jim Cornette is right. Instantly of course, over. I want a, a chainsaw going through a box. And it led to one of my favorite moments on WWE Raw or WWE Raw. Um, where Michael Cole is interviewing the New Age Outlaws, and they're like, "How are you gonna? How are you gonna deal with this new threat of Chainsaw Charlie?" And they just start screaming, "What the hell are you asking? There's a guy with a chainsaw. There's a chain. He had a chainsaw." Um, was wait was Jim Cornette the guy responsible for Sting coming out of the box when we went to the? Raw I doubt it. But at that point, ago? it was such a long. I'm sure that's like After an establishing job. But there's been like other wrestlers that debuted in boxes and his whole like put them in a box and it 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 worked. Yeah. And so basically the same with the chainsaw. They took the chain off of the chainsaw, so it's working and it's on, but it's, it's making sparking. sparks and stuff like that. But it's not. Oh, the chain is. You won't actually chainsaw. cut anybody with. I mean, I'm I sure you'll really fuck wondering them up, about that. So but. yeah, so so they had a, a real chainsaw that sawed out, and then it's you he see swapped them, it. You swap him out, and he kicks down the rest of it. All right. Yeah. All it's, right. But it's, I mean, it's all insane. So these two start out. And also to, up until this point, Royal Rumbles, uh, weapons in Royal Rumbles were not something that were so common. So to yeah. start the match off with these fucking two throwing chairs and trash cans and shit in is crazy. That's the point I want to make is 
Uh, I really, 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 really liked that that they, the two of them, were the ones to start. Especially, I liked that Cactus Jack was the first one announced because he set the tone. Yeah, he comes out with two garbage cans and throws the garbage cans in the ring. He's like, whoever comes out is gonna get fucked up. And bang then, bang. What's that? Bang bang. Bang bang. Chainsaw Charlie comes out, and I'm like, that's a fucking chainsaw. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? And the two of them, I, I wrote, like, they are essentially like rodeo clowns because they come out and they're just like, let's let's battle with chairs. Let's have a chair pillow fight. Unprotected chair shots that are hard to watch. And, and after they've, uh, they've eliminated a couple people, basically, so um, to walk us through everything up until The Rock, was it The Rock number five? He was four. Everything up until, I guess, probably up until The Rock, they were essentially eliminating guys, and then and well, then a guy. It well, was they just they only yeah. eliminated a guy. Okay, so they eliminated they eliminated a guy, and then they just kind of like performed on their own. Where they were like, at one point, Chainsaw Charlie is like, "Give me a give me a give me a shot, give me a shot to the head." And then like uh, Cactus Jack goes, "Now you give me an unprotected chair shot," and I was all in for that part. All of that shit was great. Now, I do need to ask, so number three in, Tom Brandy, yep. a.k.a. Salvatore Sincere. Right. Who okay. is he? Yeah. Tom Brandy, he had, he wrestled before this, and I believe in just indie promotions. I think he did a short stint in WCW under a different name. It was like Johnny something. Came to WWE, he was Salvatore Sincere, and it was a over-the-top Italian character um, who was all like, I just love everybody. Like, I love the pizza. Oh, not the Italian-American, but yeah. more like, uh, oh, Principessa. Yeah, exactly. Like, I love everybody. I love you. That's why I punch you with it with my fists. And, like, it's very, like, what? Like, so that was his whole thing, and it was sort of disingenuous and whatever. He's a young pope. He's a young pope. <laughs> exactly. That's, <laughs> that's, but then, I'm the pope. It's okay. <laughs> Mark Marrow is in the midst of this heel turn, and part of it involves on one of the the weeks intervening. He calls out kayfabe. Calls yeah, out. he calls out Salvatore Sincere as Tom Brandy, his real Christian name, saying you're just some, you're not Salvatore, so you're some fucking dumb jobber, Tom Brandy. Like you're just here to fucking take a loss to collect a check. Like puts him on blast as part of the storyline or sure, whatever. Sure, but sure. and now he's wrestling as Tom Brandy or whatever. He gets limited. He's not honestly. He's not very important. He's not very important. You shouldn't get spend devote too much time to him. One interesting fact about Tom Brandy, he still appears at wrestling conventions and things as what? The Patriot. Even though he did not wrestle as the Patriot. But Del Wilkes gave him permission to to wear the mask and like sign autographs as the Patriot. What? Even though I knew it. I knew you Patriot. could throw that mask on anybody. That's insane. And if you look, they are a very similar build. Well, I didn't look that hard, but now, geez. How dope was it watching The Rock in the trash can? Amazing. That was great. Great spot. They put it, oh my God, they put him in the trash can where essentially like it was like what you do to what, a nerd? Yeah, exactly. 
put them in the trash can, and then they started hitting the trash can with chairs, which probably shouldn't be a big deal, right? Because the trash can protects you. Yeah, and the trash can's but made but, but also that tr- that might not be the case because a regular trash can might protect you, but that trash can is made of tinfoil. Yeah, that trash can is made of. But also, I feel like it, I feel like honestly, what it is, it's not the trash can protecting you, but it's covering where they're actually hitting you because mm-hmm. they're really hitting him probably in his upper arm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and yeah, not, yeah. but it, because of the trash can, you can't really tell how high or low it like distorts things. That's my theory. I don't fucking know. Um, Great. Loved I, it. I'm so used to The Rock being a huge, monumental, one of the biggest stars alive that every appearance he's made in wrestling, you know, over the years has become less and less extreme, less and less whatever, that I almost forgot how, like, The like the Rock's need to be the best at everything he does. I'm going to cry because I love him so much. But, like, extends to this, and he'll, he'll do spots, he'll do fucking, he'll blade, he'll do whatever, and like, I can't wait to re-watch The Rock putting all of the perfection and energy he puts into everything he does today into his wrestling. I agree, because I know a lot of this podcast has been us falling in love with Stone Cold Steve Austin, but and, I... And uh, Mick Foley. And Mick Foley. And Mick Foley, yeah, yeah. And, and yes, yes, but I was... And uh, Goldust. A little bit. A little bit, actually. And Vader, and yes, and a lot of other people. But I was the biggest rock mark from like 2000 to 2002. Like, he got a huge rub here, and I think I forgot. I didn't realize how important this rumble was for him. Yeah, no, it, it, we'll get to that. We'll get to it. Let's get to it. Anyone have anything to say about Mosh? I liked his real men wear skirts shirt. I thought that was a very like uh, at a time when WWE was transphobic and homophobic and just so like queer, not a safe space for queer people. um, It was nice to see toxic masculinity taken down a peg. Next five in, we've got Phineas Godwin. Boo. Followed by Eight Ball. I think for Eight Ball's entrance, they should have said Eight Ball or Skull. Yeah. (laughs) They should have just like, let's just go Slash. Yeah. Like, we don't know. Then Bradshaw, and at this point I was like, we really need a cleaner. We yeah. really need somebody in the... Also, around, but right before Bradshaw, that's when I made the prediction that, that Mick Foley would come out as his other personas. I was like, I was like, he's gonna, like, he got eliminated really early. He's definitely gonna come back as all three. And I was so So brilliant. One of my right. favorite things. Followed by Owen, kind of. Owen, kind of. And then we'll go back to that. But, and then Steve Blackman. Who cares? So, can you talk a little bit about the NWA, Bobby? I can, but there's not only not much to say. So, NWA, back in the territory days... Oh, that was St. Louis. Um, And actually, there was a bunch of territories under it, most of which ended up becoming WCW, and then WCW removed themselves from the NWA. So what was left was really a shell at this point, and this was just a matter of, like, this was just... It wasn't like, oh, the rights are expiring, or... It was just a storyline, and it it didn't go well, and didn't get over, and it doesn't really matter. It was followed by a couple of shoot... or um, I'm sorry. It was preceded by a couple of shoot um, interviews with Jim Cornette, where he would be like... I want wrestling. What happened to wrestling? And he like criticizes WCW, but he well, also these are the ones I saw. No, no, no. This, Later, this is uh, in, in the six weeks. In this one here. Um. So and he's like, and the WWF, the we got a guy dressed up like a tree, and and uh, what 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 is all? I want wrestling matches in, and so this is what follows that. Yep. It's not and, a great storyline. It doesn't. It's supposed well, to be like an invasion of NWA. And he so just seems he just seems so fucking like. 
I don't know what the word is. Just like angry for no reason. Well, they're traditionalists and they're supposed to be like, yeah, that's it's, the it's idea. It's a Bret Hart kind of thing. Right, but he sucks. Like, yeah, it doesn't It doesn't work. <laughs> it's not good. It, it doesn't work. They did, so the NWA championship is right now on Double J because they did a match where it was him and Barry Windham mm-hmm. and um, and Jim Cornette hits Barry Windham in the back with the tennis racket. And this is in... In, in the Raws, yeah. In Raws. Okay, so they kept the, the NWA championship yeah i mean it's it's never a bad thing to have some more championships no one was using lines it wasn't being used it's like why not leverage this asset and it's like we can use it we have permission to use it we might as well use it to add because it has a lot of history so that way you automatically have a a new title you can say like oh has our record holder are this because there's like a history that comes with it as opposed to being like the 24 7 title that just started out of nowhere you know yeah, right. I remember because I remember in St. Louis, that's when they were doing the the funks. Yeah, mm-hmm. the um, uh, Harley Race, Briscoe, who passed away, Joe Briscoe, yeah. all those guys. They all they all were part of NWA. That's when we talked about it. Yeah. Now, is there any reason why they attacked Owen though? I don't think so. I couldn't because also, Owen's really at a in a um, thing with Triple H. Triple H, yeah, and one of my all-time favorite promos one of the most important i know exactly what you're gonna talk about so this is uh this you should go back and watch so this is Shawn michaels this is after um after degeneration x after owen attacks him here and Shawn michaels cuts this amazing promo where he says the heart family is like a big giant shit and you know when you take a big giant shit and you flush it down and there's that one tiny nugget <laughs> that comes back up? Yeah. That nugget is Owen Hart. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. God I, damn it. Like, I'm, you can I, still go back and watch it now. I will. Yeah. I, I'm obviously going to. Great. Everything is just reversed for me. I yeah, used, yeah, yeah. I used to have like 10 hours of wrestling I would have to watch prior to our recording now I have. Now you've got like three hours. Three hours after before be- the recording, and then and then and like three hours, hours after because you don't have to watch everything. Yeah, you, we'll, you really shouldn't. We can even everything. just we can even bold the parts in the raw report that you should go back. And I watch. watched every episode of the newsroom, and I knew I hated it. <laughs> I knew I hated it. That's on you, Eric. No, I wanted to hate it better. <laughs> You're t- you're talking to the wrong dude, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch every every fucking match just to be like, well, what happened here? Maybe now now since I don't have to comment on it, I guess I can skip. But still. But man, yeah, uh, Owen being the Nugget is gonna stick around for a, minute, a long time. And it's one of my. It's a promo worth seeing. It's one of my favorite Shit fucking nugget. things. It's really good. Um, Except he calls a toilet a hopper. Well, T.L. Hopper was yeah. always the. Oh yeah, Hopper makes sense. Um, or wait, did we get up? To, does five through ten? Does that include Ahmed Johnson? No. Okay. We are at number eleven now. Unless anyone has anything to say about anything else. Okay. At number eleven, D'Lo Brown comes in. Um, and we definitely need to go back to that. And Kurgan is at number twelve. Yikes, Kurgan. By the way. Kurgan is that is the is Kurgan like the, the name? Kurgan yeah the, from, from Highlander Highlander yeah yeah what a weird thing they're just like well, I don't know you're from South uh, South Africa and also the Highlander guy is evil <laughs> done then we got Mark Merrow with Sable we've got Ken Shamrock and then we've got Thrasher 
Kurgan, one of my favorite things that happened is I feel like it was where's my note? Was it where he got fully fucked oh, yeah. over? Because and... I feel like it was Lawler who's like, where's the truth commission? Where's the general? And I was like, no, 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 no. We had a commandant. We had a jackal. Now, who the fuck is the general? How many people are in charge of Kurgan? Can someone please explain to me who is in charge of Kurgan? <laughs> who is minding the who Kurgan? Who is the general? Like, <laughs> save release, some time? Release the Kurgan! Um... Yeah, I wish Clancy Brown was just in there. Who's Clancy Brown? He's the guy who plays the Kirk. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh my god. That would be... Clancy Brown wrestling would be amazing. Because he he does the voice of Lex Luthor on all the uh, Justice League cartoons. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah, it's great. Is he, is he in Mindhunter? You don't know. But is he in Mindhunter? <laughs> I don't know. He kind of looks like the like one of the one of the partners in Mindhunter. Oh, uh, maybe because he's also in Shawshank. That. Yeah, he's he always just plays like kind of a dick. Yeah. Um, but D'Lo and Rocky get into it right away. Yeah, the dissension in the the nation is one of my favorite storylines in this Rumble, and it's one of the storylines that that really plays out nicely throughout the evening. Sable, meanwhile, is walking through the spider webs. Leave a message and she'll call you back. She's got like a spider web thing. On oh, her I was you, like, you thought we would catch on to that? I was like, Oof. from, from, I was like, was she wearing a bindi like Gwen Stefani? <laughs> like, what are we doing? And then, so six people eliminate the Kurgan where meanwhile, Dang. no, not the Kurgan, sorry, Kurgan. He would have been perfect to just do like a, a cleaning house kind of yeah. thing right here. Yeah. We have to, why is Ape Ball still here? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I can't. Phineas, like, no one's, you're not going to win. Where'd we leave off? Thrasher was the last one we said? Yeah. Okay, so the Mankind, the next group is Mankind comes in. Great. Artist, Mankind. I mean, the three faces of Foley is one of the other big storylines from this. One of the most memorable and like most historic, like entering three times it's crazy it's great it's perfect it's such a good payoff to like what he's been doing it's and, amazing and just imagining him like getting eliminated going backstage and changing, changing his outfit for each one and he is just god damn it so fucking brilliant like the way his mannerisms change the way his entrance changes the way like he carries himself it's just to see it all in one match it's it's really something and it could only happen at the Rumble. There's like no other way to pull this off where you have all three personalities in the same match right. than this. It's perfect. Uh, we had Goldust. Uh, excuse me. The artist formerly known as Thank Goldust. You. Different outfit. Yeah, he also did an outfit change. Now he's dressed like the way people thought people would dress when they went to space in the 60s. <laughs> With like a bikini on top. Yeah, it's like a S&M space porn. Uh, Barbarella S&M. Then, even though Barbarella's already S&M. Okay, uh, then we have Jeff Jarrett come down. At least uh, Jeff Jarrett's ring gear got a little bit more pared down. It's not as bulky. It's still weird. It, it's not, it, it'll get a little better still. Let's, it's not there yet. I'm still on team. JJ's ring gear is great, so. Um, next up, after Jeff Jarrett's, whose ring gear does not merit discussion, is next, the next person in is the Honky Tonk Man. Wearing weird ring gear. The Honky Tonk Man is filling in for an injured Triple H. This would have been Triple H's spot. Mm. Triple and H is how legit. How did Triple H get injured? It's an it's a legit knee injury. I'm not sure exactly when it happened. It might have been a house show. It might have been something, but it's not. 
But it's crazy weird, too, at the same time, because they had just done um, the match where Shawn Michaels had the European Championship. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. Okay, so Sla- uh, Slaughter says that Shawn Michaels has to face Hunter Hearst Helmsley for the European Championship. And the entire night, they're like, fuck you, Hunter, fuck you, Shawn, basically from the backstage. And then they get into the ring, and they just do, like... It's, it's really funny where they just start like stretching on the ring ropes and then they're about to, to grapple with each other and then they start stretching on the ring ropes again. Yeah. And then Shawn Michaels just lays down and Hunter covers him for the one, two, three ah, and good. gets the European Championship. It's a take, I believe, first was Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan did in WCW, which is known as the finger poke of doom, where I believe Kevin Nash finger... Or Hogan finger pokes Kevin Ash and he lays down. That was him like joining NWO or something. Again, I didn't watch WCW. Don't hold me to that. But they did a similar sort of thing where they like traded the belt to a friend as like a favor. Okay. And this, they thought they would outsmart well, them by making them fight. Well, but but they were like, we're not going to fight. Watch this. It's not even it's not even a favor because what the fuck does Shawn Michaels care about the European exactly. Championship? Exactly. Sure, 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 sure. He's got the big gold around his waist. Yeah, he doesn't care. And so they he, does, he won't fight. His, they, the, the, the authorities that they're going to make them fight each other friends fight each other but they outsmart them heartbreak two belts no horse break two belts horse break two belts um so that he honky tonk man was in that group and then the 20th was ahmed johnson your boy i would love to talk about ahmed johnson um i think it was in the last episode i don't know if we talked about it but in the last episode i oh no was it in this in this pay-per-view were they talk did they talk about how ahmed johnson there was an epi- There was a one of the thing. One of the times that we watched, they talked about how Ahmed Johnson got in a car crash. Yeah, that was right before Degeneration X. It was right before Degeneration X, and I was like, "Of course, Ahmed Johnson got into a car crash because he's Ahmed fucking Johnson." It's like it's like OJ Simpson and the Naked Gun. Like he's <laughs> he's always like he's on a stretcher. murdering white women. Right. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> if he did, I don't know. I think he may have uh, been fine. No, he he get he's on a stretcher and he's like going it like rolling into traffic and uh-huh. you know everyone like he get you know gets hit. So in this case, you know, an, what could possibly go wrong with Ahmed Johnson? Why is he wearing hoop earrings into a fucking Royal Rumble? If a lighting ring fell on Ahmed Johnson in the middle of the Royal Rumble, I'd be like, yeah, that tracks. Yeah. He so why would you wear something where your earlobes can easily get ripped off? Like Ahmed well, Johnson, just have oven mitts on but all it's the also, times. But it's also not sports. Yeah. Yeah, man, I don't know. It, it wasn't sports, but he also, also, like, he also no ripped one, his hand open. It was a big weird because they were... It was a big weird? It, it, it was, was a big weird. It's a big weird. I had big Because he was the like, only man to compete with earrings on. And it's like, but is he, though? No one else is wearing... Like, Mosh, Mosh and Thrasher don't Thrasher? have earrings on? Yeah. It was very weird. They have earrings connected to other earrings through a nose. Exactly. Luna, Luna Vachon. But also, at some point around here, I can't remember exactly when, but it was around here when Phineas got eliminated. Uh, just like a fun fact, um, when he was eliminated, he kicked refer- one of the referees, Jack Doan, I believe. Oh, I saw that. Uh, in the head, who suffered a legit concussion. Had to be like, oh. taken from the He looked like he was hovering over him and being like, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm so yeah, sorry. Are you he, okay? he really, he got a concussion from getting hit in the head. They did that. They had that whole thing happen. And I was like, something felt, something felt like real about it. Yeah, it, because it was. They were he they like people were coming over to try to check on him. They brought in another another guy. 
it didn't seem like it added to the story. So that uh, I'm glad you cleared, cleared that up. All right. And in the meantime, uh, Hunter and China come down with crutches and eliminate Owen. I do have a question for you, Bobby. Mm-hmm. Is the Honky Tonk Man Jerry the King Lawler's cousin? I don't think so. I, I Honestly, I don't know that for sure. I don't think it is, but I think they're both Memphis wrestling guys. I, I agree with that, but I feel like part of Jerry Lawler's thing at this point is denying people who are related to him. He's like Jesus. <laughs> well, I'm checking in with the research department now. Jesus denied his mother. Um, Did he? The Honky Tonk Man is the first cousin of Jerry Lawler. What? Uh, so back to the, the Bible. Uh, nope, we're going on. Jesus denied his mother. Jesus, the whole re- the whole thing where Jesus goes like, "Who are you to me?" to his mother was the basis for later. Uh, I think the Paul and his letter to the Romans or whatever. Essentially, they like there were a bunch of people who were like, "Oh, so when we get baptized, we're no longer like the same person. We no longer have relations. We can like fuck our our like relatives, right?" And Paul had to be like, "No, no, 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 no. You can't do that. Like you're spiritually somebody different. But don't fuck your cousin. Don't fuck your sisters and your parents unless you're on Pornhub in the past year when all of a sudden that's all over the place." They had step in. Anyway, I'm, I'm leaving. At number 21, Bobby? Um, we have Mark Henry. So the, I'll do the, the next group, 21, 25. I'll go through the group. It's Mark Henry. Then it's supposed to be Skull, who is injured by the Bariquas earlier because they think he's Stone Cold Steve Austin, so he but never they, makes it out. But they don't explain that. They did a very bad job, but that is the answer. That was oh, his they, music they, plan. They were, I thought it was like no-show Austin. No, 22 is supposed to be Skull, who was taken out by the Bariquas earlier. Terrible. He's a no-show, um, but it's his music playing. Kama Mustafa is 23. So now we have... Four Nation of Domination members in there. Now they're they're all uh, not all, but there's four of them there now. The thing and I just then had. yes, you're correct. And then twenty four. Because I, I was stopping myself because I was like, yep, that's all of them, and I was like, it's not all of them because one is still coming. Twenty four. We'll stop at because twenty four is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Everyone okay. is waiting for him to arrive. Eric, tell us tell us your take on couple this couple notes. Uh, I feel like. Mark Henry as a heel is hilarious because he doesn't know he should be smiling like that. <laughs> like his smile is the smile of a child who is has you know is so happy to be there in a big ring and oh. like and then he's like no forget you guys as like they're booing him kind of like Ronda Rousey. Yep. Wow. I can see yeah. a lot of similarities. Right. Both Olympians. Right. Doesn't know how to play up that heel angle. Um, I. I didn't understand the no-show Austin thing. Also, at one point, they're like, four members of the of the Nation of Domination are in there. And I was like, I think, I thought D'Lo Brown was eliminated. I didn't see nah, it. He's no, he was still there. He's lasted a while. Was. He might have like gone out the middle. That's what I mean. There was too many people. and There was a lot. It was confusing. Because who, okay, so we have The Rock. We have Kama Mustafa. D'Lo. We have Mark Henry. And I guess D'Lo Brown was there, but like at one point I I didn't see him anymore. And like they weren't doing a lot, they weren't doing the thing that they do in Rumbles of of today. I mean, I'm sure they do it at some point in the future, but they weren't doing it last time or this time where people hang out outside the ring. They were doing. It. I think they just weren't doing a good job explaining or keeping up with them, okay. so it was easy to lose track. Okay. But, but Eric, they were. But Eric, Eric, Stone Cold Steve Austin's entrance, amazing. 
So perfect. So again, we've built everyone this... stops and looks. We've built this entire night to get to this point. The music hits, the glass breaks, which is also such a Pavlovian response. Like, what a beautiful way to start. It doesn't start with like a fucking like like G chord. You know what I mean? Like, it's it starts... almost like, dear God, that song called music. <laughs> it, it shocks was... everyone. They stop. They all face the entrance way from the Titan Tron, and, and, and they are. And also, the entrance is really dope with those two circular, like, scaffolding yeah. rings yep. on there. And, and everyone's also, looking. Also, the, the, the glass breaking felt like a longer sound of glass breaking. It was like, because in previous times where he's entered, I feel like the glass break, sometimes I kind of missed it. This one, it was like, it was like a, a it might bigger have been, glass. It might have just been there was no pop because he didn't appear. I think like me, may, I don't think it was a longer glass break, but okay. maybe the experience you're seeing is because typically the glass breaks, he comes out, everyone is losing their goddamn minds to the loudest pop of the night, and so maybe you don't hear the rest of it. Maybe. Um, I didn't perceive it as longer than normal, but anyway... Austin sneaks in, though, from the crowd instead of the entrance. Everyone's facing the entrance. He gets the jump on everyone. Starts just fucking going crazy on everybody, particularly. I think Mark Marrow, he eliminates right off the Marrow bat. Marrow and eight ball. Marrow and eight ball. He eliminates... Or skull. Throughout this rumble, he eliminates seven people. I can't keep track of who he eliminated when, but... And then yeah. Henry Godwin shows up. Talk about a cooldown. <laughs> Here's the cooldown. Henry Godwin followed by Savio Vega. With the Bariquas. And the Bariquas come with him. A nice touch. Aaron, can you talk about um, the Bariquas leading up to the weeks leading up to Royal Rumble? Because I believe that they were doing some weird stuff that I recall being not making sense and honestly not going anywhere either. But I think we should address it. Yeah, they're doing this thing right now where the Bariquas are acting as like enforcers for Degeneration X and they're like paying them to beat up people at this point. Okay. This is weird. and I, I mean, like. I don't think this counts as a spoiler. This is short-lived. So, like, don't even bother thinking about it too much. Because I, I also, like, when this happened, I didn't remember it. Like, if you sat me down before we started this podcast and were like, please write down, like, an oral history of what you can remember of DX, I would not have included this chapter with those <laughs> requests. Let me let me tell you, I'm four spikies in, so you don't even have to tell me not to care about yeah, it. Yeah, but I, I, I rewatched it. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that was a thing, but, like, it wasn't a thing worth caring about. Um, so don't. Don't, it's not worth a lot of exploration, but it is interesting because then all the Bariquas are coming down for this. So it's like, are they trying to position them as like a gang for hire or whatever? Uh, that's sort of where we're at with that. But one would have to like have some kind of emotional attachment to the Bariquas in order to care about that. Yeah, it's not great. Next up, Farouk. Farouk comes in after Savio. Farouk, leader of the nation. He goes, does he go right after The Rock? Yeah. Yep, he goes right after The Rock. Uh, so the nation, the nomination is, is breaking wait, down. Wait, no, wait, no. It might not have been The Rock. It, it might have been another NOD member. I thought it was The Rock. I thought it was The Rock. No, because too. I think at this point, Austin... Kama maybe goes for The Rock. No. I think at this point, Austin and The Rock are taking it to each other on the outside. Mm. Like they've both gone through the middle ropes. I don't remember people fighting on the outside for this. Yeah. I no, do remember The Rock and Austin, Austin fighting on the outside. Rock are definitely fighting on the outside at this point. Whatever. Things are starting to pick. Business is picking up, as they mm-hmm. say. Then 28 comes out. It's Dude Love, the third face of Foley. He'll make it to the final four. Chains will show up. Chains will not make it to the <laughs> final four. Nor should he. Um, why did he come so late? Very insane. And then finally, our last is that big, stinky, grizzly bear, Vader. Yeah. Goldust eliminates Thrasher. Austin eliminates Kama and Savio at that point. Goldust eliminates Vader. Chains eliminates Goldust. Austin eliminates Chains. 
And is that Final Four at that Final point? Final Four is Dude Love, Stone Cold, The Rock, and Farouk. Yeah. So two members of the nation and two former tag team champions. Sure. So the dude and Austin double team on The Rock and Farouk, some like tag team synergy. Um, dude hits sweet chin music. Sweet shin music. There we go. Uh, sorry. And the double arm DDT that goes with it. And then Austin, I believe, turns on Dude. Yeah. Yeah, at that point. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and dude, love they. they uh, no. Does that happen yet? Farouk eliminates dude. I don't think he eliminates him, but no, Austin no. turns Austin, on him at that Austin point. Attacks oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Austin turns on him at that point. Uh, eventually, the Farouk eliminates dude, love dude. Uh, the Rock eliminates Farouk. What? It comes down to the Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Love it. Which is so. The, you think about the. Let's just look at the final four because I feel like historically, the final four of of Royal Rumbles tend to be the guys that you think are the best guys. Yes. Yeah. And so this is, we're looking at Stone Cold, Mick Foley, mm-hmm. Farouk, and The Rock. And I think three of those four are right. <laughs> Who would you replace Farouk with? Ooh. Would it have wow. been Hunter, you think? Well, Hunter, let's say, is off the table, so well, we I'm can't. I'm just saying, if he, In if a perfect he was, world, if he was healthy, would have would it have been them? I guess. No, because I would no, have seen... it, it definitely would have been Farouk, because the whole point of having Farouk there at the end is having The Rock eliminate Farouk. Oh, I'm just saying, away. though, if I had to quantify who would I think are the four top guys in the company, not ex- excluding, excluding Shawn Michaels Shawn and Undertaker. Undertaker. Yeah. And Kane. And Kane. Sure, I don't know if, I would, if Kane I would think would qualify at all. But I think people you throw in that list are Owen Hart in that list. I think Ken Shamrock is on that list. Uh, and that's the end of list. Page, the Patriot. That shows. But he's not in, in this rumble. So like, even as like looking at the rest of the rumble, it's like, that's why this rumble I thought was so shitty. Because it's like, who else is a star here? Or like has a chance like Jeff Jarrett. Not a chance. Like, still feel oh, super mid card. I don't know, homie, though. But like, at the end here, you've got the Rock and Austin in the ring together, and I am mad. And it nothing is bad in that point. I am. It's mad. amazing. First of all, it should have been. It should have been. Uh, uh, Dude, love and Cactus Jack. And, <laughs> Mankind and 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 uh, and Stone Cold Steve Austin and the Rock, and that way you could just have them go at it. I, obviously, man. Uh, uh, Dude, Dude Love and Cactus Jack have to go against each other. Yeah, of course. Find the dominant. I liked it. I also think it was really cool how they kept momentum and energy in the crowd popping, but they saved that stunner to the end. That stunner. Oh, Rock taking a stunner. There, no and one this, takes it like that. And this isn't even the best Rock taking a stunner, but it... He didn't like, fall over dead. It's like pizza. <laughs> even when it's even bad. Even when it's bad, it's good. It's great. He didn't fall over dead. He he like walked around like stuff. It was great. It, yeah. it, it, was it was so great. good. It was really good. But this the fact they were able to keep the tension and excitement up, and he got you know six other eliminations before that, and that Stone were gratifying. Cold Steve Austin is going to WrestleMania, and it all is right with the world. Yep. I mean, it, is it? it wait, hold on. Is Stone Cold going to WrestleMania? Because yes, yeah. I wasn't sure if Cold Stone was going to. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I will say, before we get to that, because that was amazing. I think we all noted it. I'm very <laughs> glad that it was in uh, Aaron's opening. Everyone knew better than to put it in a slammy, because they were like, there's no way this <laughs> yeah. is getting by the crew. Um, I, here's what I will say. It is amazing to me that Stone Cold has the program and the trajectory he has as somebody who has only had one title match like 
like like to be a person who is as like transcendent and as like explosive and to still not be a main eventer to still like be a guy who you know has kind of one of like the lower level the lower tier belts and for it to be like oh yeah now he's going to go for the championship is kind of amazing to me because it's a testament to how they are able to build up a stable outside of the top guy or the top two guys or the top three guys or whatever. Like, it's amazing. Well, this is the equivalent we have now with Kofi Kingston. I mean, like, that. there's nothing, there's almost nothing like it in between. The way that they book now and the way that they do things to protect people, you don't get stories like this anymore. But, I mean, this just reeks of months of planning. Like, this is, this is obviously something that they... No? Well, the, the screw job, I mean, like, there's so much stuff that's also, there's it's a lot of kismet. Control. There's a lot of kismet okay. and pieces that fall. If Mike Tyson didn't bite Michael, Vander Holyfield's ear, if the screw job didn't happen, if Austin's neck injury, I mean, there's like a million and one pieces that, like, all fell into place mm. with this. Then, no, I don't think it was a perfectly Swiss made watch of storytelling. But I still feel like. For months, they've known that Austin is going to be go. I don't know if they know that Austin's going against who he's going against, but I think they know that Austin is going to be at the main event of See, WrestleMania. I disagree. So I think it's not. I do agree that things have been WrestleMania. They're planning on it, but I don't think they're manipulating that to happen. I think it's similar to Kofi Kingston, where they are responding to this guy is undeniably a fucking star. Okay, and we we need to get the fuck out of the way of this train because he is the biggest thing to happen in wrestling, and we have to just ride this fucking out. Okay, I'll buy that. Yeah, so that that's the, that's the difference I'm talking about. So I don't think they actually they were super purposeful, but I do think they were so smart to like capitalize on this huge moment. Now we're gonna talk about Mike Tyson. Sure, yes. yeah, let's talk yes. about Mike Tyson Fair now. Right. So Austin wins the Rumble, tosses out the rock, he wins, the crowd goes fucking bananas, everyone is over the moon. Mike Tyson is over the moon, excited, apparently. And they're like, let's do an interview with Mike Tyson. <laughs> and literally anyone, Eric, you, why don't you pick this one up? Because you watch this, so you can, you can give uh, the crowd what they Mike want here. Mike Tyson sounds like, uh, they're like, they're just like, how, how, they say? like, how did you like it? How did you enjoy it? And he's like, I, I, can I do a oh, Mike Tyson? Oh, perfect pitch, please. <laughs> oh, it was great. <laughs> I, oh my, oh, it, was so, it was so good. Oh, Cold Stone's my man. Cold Stone's my man. And no, before Cold Stone is my man, I just want a fortune. <laughs> yeah, nothing. I just it, want a fortune? Yes. yes. He bet Did, on the Royal Rumble? Mike Tyson Rumble? is betting on the Royal Rumble. Oh my god! Well, I first mean, of all, betting on scripted events is my what, favorite thing. <laughs> what is what is the fortune he won? Was it like him and what, like no? He he and, and six other guys pulled I, no, pull I numbers gonna, out of a hat. You fucking stepped on it. <laughs> I was like, did he and Vince McMahon and like Shane pull numbers out of the hat? And they're like, you get the first ten. They had to shake their beard. Yeah. I got. I won a fortune. I won two dollars. <laughs> they all had to shave their beards. It was it, <laughs> first of all. Uh, he, the way he talks about Austin is the way that I would have a panic attack in elementary school and talk about like something like, like a band or, or a, 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 a sports team that I just. So elementary school, so we were talking about what kind of band? 
that's what I always like, like, like um, you know when you're in fourth Guns grade Guns N' Roses time oh sorry the Beatles someone's like do you like the Spin Doctors and you're like yeah I got all their albums <laughs> right like yeah like when, when Aaron was like they were like what do you think of Korn Aaron's like I yeah I, I like them I don't that know them uncle. but I've heard of them yeah 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 no, but I don't like, like yeah, know but like, them right 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 like yeah like oh yeah yeah like I'm, yeah I'm pretty into their type of music but like, like heard the singles I didn't like to open the album yeah, right they're right. like oh yeah who, who, so who's your play, favorite player on the Giants and I'd be like Oh, the kicker? <laughs> Taylor Lawrence. Uh, yeah, it, it was just like, it's it had that vibe of just being like, I don't know who this guy, I was told who I should like. But also, the, the Cold Stone thing is infamous in its absurdity. And it led to Cold Stone Creamery. Of course, that's what we all yeah. now we have now. Well, no, which is why if you tip them, they have to give you a Stone Cold Stunner. That's... <laughs> That's the rule of the company. But I also, I actually liked his description of Shawn Michaels better. Yes! Which he described Shawn Michaels as a young, up-and-coming, hungry tiger. <laughs> a hungry tiger. You know what? No, 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 no. Not a hungry tiger. A young, young up-and-coming, up-and-coming hungry, hungry tiger. tiger. You, remember, you remember Shere Khan's early work, like, before he Look, had, like, attacked Mowgli? There's a hungry tiger pageant, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Only hungry tigers. Uh... And you, this, he's young and up and coming. First of all, he's coming I, for the I crown. think that's very prescient because what the fuck does does uh, Mike Tyson own in his later adult life? A, a, a literal tiger. A, a literal tiger. fucking tiger. That guy is is keyed in. But he, he was got, thinking about it. But he's, he's keyed in in the pinky up, sense. He wasn't going to get some he's old in, fucking, <laughs> some old down in his luck tiger. Some, some tiger who's satiated. He wants a young... Up and, up and coming. coming, not established. You know what I mean? He wants to support not a the, mainstream tiger. He wants to support this tiger in his dreams. <laughs> yeah, no, this this tiger is uh he's got something to prove. He's hungry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great promo. If we can find it on YouTube. It's great. <laughs> Are we ready for our main event? I'm ready. The main eventer? I'm the main ready. event. A, the casket match. So, Kaz match Shawn Michaels and Undertaker. Yes. This match is hugely historically important. Do you guys know why? Well, I have... Clearly, I don't know why. Because the Undertaker got burned to death at the end of it? You don't, and you don't... So, Shawn Michaels takes literally his career-ending bump in this match. It occurs about... It's it's in the two- to three-minute mark in that. One of the earliest bumps... Undertaker back body drops him out of the ring and he clips the, his lower back on the edge of the casket on the way down. The hardest part of the casket. The hardest part of the casket. <laughs> Aaron almost lost it. I almost, I almost shot Spike Seltzer out of my nose. Adam, Aaron almost ruined the mic on that. But, oh, what was I saying? <laughs> oh, no, he hit his bump. He hit this. It doesn't hurt him, so he finishes the match. A uh, couple days later, he will call his mommy. He'll call his parents that he cannot move. He's like paralyzed. He cannot move. Um, call that a stinger. But he had uh, multiple herniated discs and one crushed disc in his spine from that Jesus injury. Christ. And also one lost smile. And one lost smile. He will wrestle one more match before taking walking away from the ring for a very long time. For a very long for, time. For yeah. years and years and years. What? Yes. So from this match, 
It is. I have to rewatch this. I did not expect you won't, any of but it. But you won't notice it because he doesn't notice it. But it's the bump. It's the first big bump of the match. It's two to three minutes in. He is back. Undertaker back body drops over the ropes. And that's when he hits his back. And he doesn't react in a big way because he doesn't even realize it at the time. Sure, but I'm that sure is, the adrenaline is just yes. like going through. Because this and match, I'm sure he was on a few painkillers already. We talked, we talked last You know, match. preemptively or whatever. Like, uh, right. We talked last match about big match feel. And this match has big match feel. I, um, great package starting it off. I need help with the package because I did not realize that Kane and Taker are cool. So on Raw... There is an episode where seven wrestlers have decided they are going to take out Kane. They're they're the Kane squad, for lack of a better term. It's like DOA. Um, it's uh, the the Headbangers, um, Scott Taylor, and Flash Funk. And they're they're like we're we're calling out Kane. We we want him. And and so the announcers are like, is this going to be Kane's like final comeuppance at this point? Kane comes down. Fire goes off. As the fire goes off, so does the gong. And Kane Squad is so excited to see the Undertaker. It's like, oh man, we got the dead man as backup. Undertaker, meanwhile, clears out all seven of them with the help of Kane. And they do like a weird, like, reach for each other kind of like uh, like Kane does his like his like thing where and Undertaker does his like rest in peace kind of stance. And it seems like things are cool between the two of them. Yep. Okay. So that catches us up. Also, uh, China got new tits in the meanwhile. Wait. Oh, really? You should watch this promo. It's it's very famous and it's very sophomoric and, and things. But it's they did a whole promo about the two new members of DX. And it's oh, like... I don't know. It's kind of funny. She's in on the joke, and so okay. it, you could have a little bit more fun with it. It's, it's a little bit like when uh, Charlotte got her got her breast implants, and um, and Becky called her out on that shit. Yeah, well, it's it, it's more kind of like um, Sean and Hunter trying to get China to break. Yeah, it's more like a Jimmy Fallon sketch than anything else. Ah. It's kind of fun. It's worth watching. Okay, how is a casket match the Undertaker's specialty? What what makes it? Is it like a Caribbean strap match for Savio Vega? Yes. It's basically, it's a gimmick that fits your gimmick. <laughs> uh, like, I know, I know caskets. Kane has a very um, famous specialty match we'll come to know in the coming months or years. Is uh, it a match? I'm not going into it. Uh, it and then there are fake, others. Fake wig match? Like, Mankind had the Boiler Room Brawl. Like, so this is sort of like the casket match Undertaker, his thing. Mm, okay. Oh, so does... does Mankind do a boiler room brawl more times? I think he does, actually. That'd be amazing. He's like, listen, I did great in the boiler room last time. Or similar enough things. Um, but this is his. Casket matches The Undertaker's. And this match is good. It's great. It's good. Yeah. It's mostly good. Um, a solid a, B a plus, good, A minus. There's a good pile driver on the stairs. Oh, no more pile drivers. No more pile drivers. We can't. We, sorry, man. We're all in. It's attitude error. We it's, can't not have a pile driver on the stairs. It's so good seeing Undertaker like work how he's supposed to work. And then, so Undertaker's in the casket, and Shawn Michaels is on top of him and does the suck it. And then Undertaker does a full on dick grab. He he threw HBK by the dick. 
right? Over the ring. Mm-hmm. Amazing. By the way, I thought that that was a California King casket. That was <laughs> a roomy casket. Very roomy. Like, that was probably a casket for, like, Andre the Giant. Yeah, it's a big old casket. Memorial Andre the Giant casket match. So, yeah. So then the New Age Outlaws and the Bariquas decide to get involved. And then, Bobby, you want to walk us through the end of this match? End of this match, Bariquas are involved, uh, New Age Islands are involved, Kane's music hits, and now having established Kane and The Undertaker are buddies now, everyone's like, oh shit, it's on. Kane, though, turns The Undertaker, beats him, puts him in the casket. Well, he clears the ring first. Yes. But then turns on The Undertaker. Yeah, yeah. um, Puts him in the casket. You need more people, Undertaker. Undertaker loses the match. But what's memorable and important is that the casket with the Undertaker inside is wheeled to the top of the ramp. Definitely inside. He is inside at this point still. Wheeled to the top of the ramp um, where Kane takes an axe, smashes the top of the casket with an axe. So it's all beat up and you can see. He's still inside at this point? At that point he's not. But he gets out at the top of the ramp, not the bottom. So he's in the casket as they go up the ramp. Huh. I'm pretty sure. How does that work? There's a trap door in the back and he rolls out and gets... Maybe he did under the ring. I feel like it has to be. Maybe under I misunderstood the ring. this. I know he. There's definitely. It's the side door that's trapped. Yeah, it's going to be the side closest to the ring, and he's going to get out and go under the ring. I know there was a thing though that people were mad in the arena because they saw it was very. <laughs> it wasn't. They didn't, that's why I think they did it on top of the uh, top of the stage. Either way, so what happens? So Kane hits it with that, pours gasoline, a mixture of gasoline and kerosene on the casket lights it on fire the idea is the undertaker is inside and like, it looks cremated and it looks fucking awesome it looks great yeah it's good um and that's part of that's why they used the axe so they asked bruce pritchard if they used the axe because that was a way for kane to make sure he was out before he sets it on fire <laughs> so you have like visual confirmation this is an empty casket he's like no that wasn't a consideration um <laughs> <laughs> we don't care if we kill him actually what it is is having um oxygen to feed the fire yeah. inside the casket is why they did the axe in the first place because it would make it burn bigger and brighter and and more dramatically within that's the casket. Smart. Yeah, that's why they, they actually the fire marshal gave them advice on how to light this fire. That's some like materials engineer type shit. So Undertaker loses this. With that, Michaels retains his championship. But at what cost? Um. Okay. What cost? Career a career ending career oh. ending. Injury. That there was cost. there was a great elbow drop into the casket. That there was, was a really good flying tombstone. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. That was holy cool. shit. I'm I'm surprised that wasn't the bump that like did something to Michaels. It was a very good match. It ended very very well. I I I thought that the Undertaker was dead and was in ashes, and that they just found another guy that just looked yeah. like him. That's it. That they convinced to get a teardrop tattoo. I love it. Bobby, you weren't a fan of this show? I didn't love it. I thought this last match was great. I thought The Rock um, was great. The Rock and Shamrock I really enjoyed. I thought the minis were trash. I thought the LOD New Age Outlaws match I could have lived without. It was it was fine. I didn't hate it, but I could have lived without it. Um, and Vader Goldust, I couldn't live without, except for that big Vader bomb spot. There, yeah, no, there. And most of the rumble was bad. There or was fine. Yeah, no, there wasn't. You're right. There's not a, a five star match here. There's not a four star match here. But as far as a storytelling thing, I mean, I think that's the thing 
that one of the things that I'm remembering about this era is they're not amazing matches. No, they're not. But the stories are compelling as fuck. It's interesting that you say that because I wondered like how much um, different I view wrestling now as an adult having watched this and gotten conditioned more to like the contemporary style of wrestling. Whereas like as a kid, I was like eating everything up with a spoon. Um, but yeah, I, but the point that what you're saying with storytelling though, I think the downside of that though is then you have pay-per-views like this, which are clearly like a stepping stone in a larger story. And are they vital to that story? Do they progress the story? Sure. But it's not the point where you're getting the payoff. And wrestling at its best is telling these stories over time, but giving us the incremental payoffs to keep us interested throughout. And I'm not sure this cashed in. I mean, the Austin win of the Rumble is huge. So that alone was a huge piece of and audience literally gratification. literally winning this time. Yeah, it was a huge piece of gratification for, for fans. Yeah, no. Um, if I'm going by like like my visceral experience of watching it, um, I was, you know, not engaged for a lot of it. I think I was really into the end of the Shamrock Rock match. I was really into the end of the Rumble. I was into the beginning of the Rumble. Basically, I was into everything that was like uh, McFoley related, mm-hmm. and also, you know. I do like uh, Terry Funk. I like I like that gimmick. It's great. Everything in the middle, bleh. Um, the the minis sucked. Uh, and then this last match, I thought the last match was was really good. But you know, it was a it was like um yeah, it was it was like a good. It was a midpoint. It kind of it's we have WrestleMania what in two months uh, in two pay per views. Well, that's what I mean. Let me ask you two on that note. I would hear from both of you, the Royal Rumble's biggest job is to like set the stage for WrestleMania. So at the conclusion of the show, are you hyped for WrestleMania? Fuck yeah. Yes. Agreed. I am too. That's what I'm saying. Because uh, Austin we know, and Tyson. We know, we know we're going to get Austin and Austin Shawn Michaels. Tyson. Or, and we know, I mean, I don't think it's a spoiler. We know who The Undertaker is going to be facing at WrestleMania. Kane? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that story has been so perfectly done for months and months and months and months and months. Yeah, I, I, um, I, 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 that's what I was getting at. I think it, you know, it did, it did what it needed to do in setting up the pieces. It, uh, it put the people over who needed to be over. It, it created, you know, like these, these good rivalries. It did what, it, yeah, it did what it had to do. I mean, like the idea of. Austin versus Michaels uh, for an actual belt is going to be awesome. I mean, you know what? It would have been awesome before the neck injury and before <laughs> yeah. and before Michaels. This injury. isn't a spoiler. It's still awesome. Wait, this is throwing. Okay, we don't have to go into it, but knowing that Michaels injures his his spine. And they're supposed to wrestle in WrestleMania. Okay, I'm I'm excited to see where this goes, especially if he's going to be taking off for a couple of years. More like the horse tranquilizer kid, am I right, folks? Okay, <laughs> let's. But first, for years, WWE hosted a yearly award show called the Slammy Awards, and we end each episode of Hell in a Cell Phone with our own version of the Slammies in a segment we call "For Your Reconsideration." 
I will happily get us started on this because I am giving my Slammy Award for cinematography to the cameraman who had the shot of The Rock slipping the knuckles into Ken Shamrock's tights that was what I can only describe as gooch vision. (laughs) (laughs) Just a close-up of Ken Shamrock's crotch that I was very grateful for. I'm I'm picturing Bobby, like... On repeat with that, like uh, like the Zapruder film from uh, JFK. Back to the left. <laughs> back, yeah. back and towards the dick. I, I can and towards see the dick. it in my mind's eye replay infinitely. There is something about a man's upper thigh body hair that it was just like perfectly captured on this shot. That well, it, Let me show you some upper thigh. That <laughs> it, was, it was very my shit and I was very grateful for it. Even still today. This very day. All right, I'll go with mine. Uh, I originally called it the Linda Richards uh, Finger on the Pulse Award, but I'd like to call it the Mildred Bowers Finger on the Pulse Award. (laughs) Uh, Linda Richards was a name that I came up with for a woman in the crowd holding a sign before the Rock versus Shamrock match, uh, where it was no joke like a woman in her late 40s early 50s who was holding up a sign that said the rock does not suck <laughs> and i was like this woman she fucking gets it this she was woman right. gets it she left she was she was in the finance department you know she was in accounting maybe she was she left like left for the weekend they were like hey uh you have any good plans she's like nothing really just you know whatever and just <laughs> left that day Drove home, sat in traffic for a little while, like 15 minutes or so, which is bad because usually it takes her 10 minutes to get home. And then she just like (laughs) put on her best sweater and just like had that fucking Sharpie out to just express herself. When you say that everybody was into wrestling at this time, I have no fucking doubt that Linda fucking Richards was there and was ready to just be like you know what no i fucking love the rock (laughs) i love it and i'll wrap things up with the cranial stigmata award did anybody catch the poster for this event which showed the back of stone cold steve austin's head with a bunch of nails put into it that was in the um if if you watch it on the wwe network that's how they show it. Yeah, that's like when, the main image. What is the message there for I, I, this? They asked about this on the Bruce Pritchard's podcast. He said, it just looked cool. It just They thought of like um, Hellraiser. They thought it just like looked cool. And I counted and there's 17 nails. So if it was 16 nails, I would have been like, oh, okay, well played. But what is that actually? Why nail? 16 oh, nails? Aaron, you counted. Oh, I thought they should make it 30 nails or 29 nails. And then it'd be like, oh, that makes yeah, sense yeah. too. Okay, yeah, exactly. You yeah. guys, this is, this is what they do with the... The fucking like Talmud, right? Like you're like, what is what is the Hebrew letter for the number of nails that are in Stone Cold's head? And does it equal life? Um, I thought it was just like I'm a marked man, so all these nails are in my head. like they've they've been throwing nails instead of darts, and so that's what blends in my head. Something stuck in his mind though. Before we wrap up, um. We have a lot of fun here on Hell in <laughs> We really do want to take a minute. We've been getting a bunch of notifications. We've got a bunch of emails. We've got a bunch of tweets from a, a whole bunch of listeners. 
And it really is amazing to know that it's not just three friends uh, shouting about wrestling. Which we do anyway, it by the way. It probably also is. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but maybe maybe these are all uh, one of our girlfriends or boyfriends or husbands or whatever. Uh, just just texting. Stroking but our egos. But, but um, your emails were all over 100 words, so we're not going to read them here. But we just want to do a few quick shout outs. Yeah. Um, I'll start. I want to give our first shout out to Morty in Norway who slid into our DMs and like definitely were like, wait, do we need a street team? Uh, we, <laughs> you inspire us with every passing day. Yeah, should we have a uh, a, a Discord? A Discord? I still don't know what a Discord is. Guys, let us know if we should have a I Discord. basically want to start. I just want people. We have a group text channel that's the three of us, my husband Nathan, our friend Joe, where we talk about wrestling. And I just kind of like want to add you guys to that group text chain. Like, what is the thing <laughs> that makes that makes that happen? Uh, I will turn off notifications. <laughs> I've already done it, but I'll do it even more so. Uh, well, on that note, uh, I've... I've been really enjoying Mike H on Twitter. He's been, he's been, you know, we've been going through uh, his heartache as he waits for each next episode. Also, now he's like posting spoilers. Yeah, yeah, Mike, you really got to watch out for that. Eric is is coming out to this clean, and he has he reads all the Twitter notifications. Yeah, I get them all. I'm drunk, but I get them all. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we've got Jordan in D.C. who sent us just a lovely email. And you can see if you watch this Starcade 97 holding a sign that says Hogan is older than dirt in the fourth row on the hard cam. Oh my God. Well, if we're going back to like history, we've got to talk about Derek who sent us scans of Jerry Lawler's quote unquote joke book. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. It's was, a, he's like, in any occasion, here's what you can say. I think we enjoyed this more than South Park. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, send um, us I'm, more of those things, by the way. Yes, yes. yeah, literally. If we you love have, your wrestling if shit. You have weird wrestling shit. We want it, please. I mean, you don't have to like ship it to us. Like, yeah, you can just like send it. Also, please don't. We all live in New York. We have no storage. <laughs> My <laughs> wife will kill me. Not to mention, who knows if it's gonna arrive? Like, it's just gonna sit in like on the outside of my apartment building. UPS so. gives us an email that's like, "We gave yourself to a bodega. I don't know why." And you're like, "What?" <laughs> Next up, we've got Sean G, who almost got in a fist fight with Travis Barker at the HF Festival. Travis Barker of Boxcar Racer fame? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and nothing else. Uh, oh, man. So Chris made an amazing offer, which I'm super interested in. He wants to run an e-federation for fans of the show. Mm -hmm. So please, 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 if you don't know what an E-Federation is, I didn't. We talked about enough it's, old it's, uh It's an RPG. Yeah, it's an RPG where, where uh, you play wrestlers and you cut promos and, and uh, you, you know build programs. Um, let us know if you want us to get that started because holy shit. I have already been thinking about my promos. Well, Lord knows we need another project to pour hours of our time into wrestling every week. So <laughs> definitely kick that up. Especially this fall. When when this premieres, we'll be watching now NXT on USA. AEW. AEW on TNT. Also, nice. the new 2K20 will be out. Uh, my life will be 90% wrestling at that point. I'm going to get it um, And just one more for Joe, Connell, and Tim, who we know in real life but have been amazing supporters of this along the way. 
even though one of them, two of them, uh, refused to watch any wrestling. One of them vehemently. But that actually, we have one more after that. You can't. That wasn't our last one. It's not. Who no, because we have one more. Who? Aaron, your mom. Oh. <laughs> also, uh, our there's, OG an update. Fan. there's an update. Uh, Aaron's mom wants to have lunch with me as well. Oh, well, but you know, who, you know who she doesn't want to have lunch with? Aaron. Aaron. <laughs> Me, you, and Aaron's mom. She literally texted me on Labor Day to let me know that she'd been li- she was getting caught up on the podcast. Heard that she that Bobby got the invite, and then felt so like had the deep, deep Catholic guilt that she hadn't invited Eric to the, to the lunch. And I needed to let him know that he's invited. Him. Patty, I don't even care if it's a guilt invite. I would love to have lunch with you. You, me, Eric, Outback. Let's make it happen. Oh my God, Bloom and Onion on me. I know you want to pay for it, Patty. Let yeah, me we take, won't let you. We let won't me let pay you. For the onion. Yeah, let us get you a glass of Malbec. Come on. Do you want a shout out? We're not picky. Just message us about our show on email and social media. Send us your wrestling stories. Send us your weird shit. Email us at HelenaCellphone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at HelenaCellPod or tweet us individually. Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slowpass. Our theme song is There Are Traitors in Our Mitts by Disco Vietnam and our art is by Alexis Yavni. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll be back again. We'll be back again? I did so great through all of that. You did. We'll be back again for No Way Out of Texas. That is a very long name. In your house. See you soon. There really is no way out of Texas. There's, it's a giant state, but it's just it's a bottleneck. It's like an escape room. <laughs> um, please review us. I mean, we have 10, but, like, man, 15 would be great. I watched that movie Escape Room. No, stop. Too scary. I won't watch it. Oh, was it? Oh, spoopy. (laughs) Too spoopy for Bobby.